Ready, Dave? We're rolling. Hey, everybody. Hey, this is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about... I'm sorry, I'm yelling. This is... I'm right here. <laughs> why'd I buy these fancy mics if I have to yell? Yeah. This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. Welcome, everybody, to this wonderful podcast on this wonderful hot day in New York City. It's a hot one out there, guys. It's a scorcher. I'm drinking my hot coffee. And, and oh my God, there's a Martian spaceship... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was Landing. happening, too. <laughs> yeah. I was more concerned with the weather. Yeah, Dave's a big w- weather buff. Um, Dave's a weddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's jump right into it. Uh, um, before for- we do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just want to say... Uh, has a very personal announcement to make. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just want to give a quick thank you to everybody who was so concerned about my health from the, <laughs> from the last episode. I think they were being sarcastic. Probably. I'm going to take it as sincere. Uh, I'm fine. Get a, I get a couple of phantom shingle pains every once in a while, and I'm like, Jesus, I remember how it was. Star Wars episode yeah. <laughs> zero. The phantom shingle. But I think that was out of most of the stuff in the episode. Everyone's like, is Dave okay? They, they always email and ask that after every episode. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, emotionally. <laughs> um, uh, but thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That was very nice to read and, and read. I was going to say here, but I don't talk to anybody. That technology's coming soon. Soon yeah. it's going to be all audio. We're going to hear people's comments. I think it's called a telephone. Oh, yeah. So let's get down to business. Let's okay. get down to the brass tacks. There's, there's only a couple little things I want to uh, uh, play that we didn't play last time. So this is our big episode about then the earlier years, disc two, bonus tracks. So I, um, I was kicking myself a little because you know how I like to play clips of Baby Jordan, Little Jordan, Teen Jordan, uh, and the times that I, uh, you know, tried to play They Might Be Giant songs and stuff. Yeah. So there are two songs from then disc one that I, I made recordings of. All right. I'm going to go take a walk. From 1999 and one is from like 2000. So, okay. This I made in November 27th, 99, though that file date might be inaccurate. That might be when, like, I moved a bunch of files to a folder. So anyway, here's Mainstream USA by me. Cast a vote on the subway this morning. Was a man with a book beside me. And he tapped out the rhythms with a smile on his face. And the tip of his fingers that he found on the floor. And these are the words that he told fell next door. Mainstream USA, I flipped that guy the bird. Mainstream USA, that's all I want to say. We are the world. We are talking to you. We are anyway, I won't play Dave the whole thing, uh, but wow. so I, I made that. Uh, you see how how obsessed I was. With, How'd you do that? How did I do that? Um, when I first started recording, you know, tracks on top of tracks for the first time, I think I used I used a program called Cool Edit Pro, which is I think uh, what uh, Julie said yeah. she uses, right? And that's why I was laughing so much because I was like, oh my god, not like a four track or anything like that. Oh, no, no, yeah. yeah it was I, all computer stuff. All computer, um, though, it, because it's so old, it still has that quaint uh, feel yeah. to it. <laughs> God, but, you sound so young there. You know, the, the oldest stuff I have is from my old cassette uh, recorder that I used to carry around. I, I I did a thing of, I brought it to elementary school and like... Like a Stephen King character. I tape rec- 
<laughs> I tape recorded. We call him cassette. <laughs> I tape recorded they my old classes. never spoke a word. And there's some, um, there's like, you hear my teachers teaching math and all this. It's really crazy, actually. <laughs> I haven't listened to it all because it's like. Never talks to anyone, just to his tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. And then uh, I think around that time or maybe a year or two later, I made this. Fake out. Fake in. Faker's point. Fake your claim. Fake around the clock. Winner fake all. Three fakes, you're out. In Buenos Aires. In Buenos Aires. What did you think of that, Dave? Uh, I, <laughs> I like that one. Thank you. That one was better. I thought it sounded just just like the original, really. I wonder if someone in a blind uh, taste test, <laughs> if they could tell the difference. Only if they lick it. So, then the earlier years, disc two, we talked all about what then the earlier years is. It's from 1997, a two-disc compilation of 80s material. And the the gods <laughs> were were generous enough to bequeath us bonus tracks mm-hmm. from the from the dusty archives though I, I as i said i think they sound really cleaned up and really cool though that might just be my my bias as a fan talking i wonder if an outside person heard this and be like, what the fuck there's some of them i have to say i'm a little disappointed the the booklet that we praise so much they say almost nothing about the disc two bonus tracks it talks about only oh, two booklet. only two songs and one of them that i'm not interested in <laughs> uh. Which one's that? We'll find out, folks. But uh, astute listeners who know me or close friends could probably guess. So let's move on to... So the first bonus track... <laughs> yeah, oh, you seemed like you wanted to say it. Go right ahead, son. The first bonus track is Kitten, Kitten <laughs> Intro. Intro. There's something coming. There's a new car on the horizon. It's coming very slowly. It makes a noise. It has kittens painted all over it, with a new kind of fur, cleaner, but with a unique smell. Yet one of these kittens is not prepared to have a good time. It stands alone, away from the crowd. It's your kind of kitten. Now the time has come to climb into David, don't you think kittens? Kitten is a hard word to say. Do you, how do you say it? Kitten. 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 I guess double. Kitten. Double D. Because if you want to really emphasize the the two T's, you sound like a psycho if you yeah. do that. Like, oh, can I pet your kitten? <laughs> okay. Anyway. Or kitty. Do you just ask people that? What about people whose name is Kitty? It's a weird name. <laughs> this is my mom, Kitty. Yeah, that's weird. It's a real name. I think those people are all fun people, though. If you meet someone be, right? and you're like, hey, I'm Kitty, you're like, let's hang out. I'm, I'm up for anything. <laughs> Anywhere. So this is Anytime. a... Anytime. <laughs> this is a... Uh, the background music here is a continuation still of uh, so whatever the fuck. The, the, the Gigantor. End, the end is Gigantor. The do, do, do. You got a big mouth. He gives you 24 hours to think it over. 
That's from the same Gigantor okay. episode that Critic Intro was pulled from, and it has the Critic Intro uh, startling, yeah. uh, what would you call those? <laughs> the heart attack inducers. Yeah, it's like at a steakhouse where they're like, hey, buy, get the uh, heart stopper. <laughs> so that's like the TMBG heart stopper. Yeah. And they do use those at the end of this. I tried for a little bit of time to find, if anyone knew what the... Um, other music is the closest thing I can figure out is so on the Tumblr. Someone asked Flansburg, where did you get some of that? The sampled orchestra music you use in some of your tracks. Yeah. And um, he said, it's from the Southern library of recorded music. It was what used to be called needle drop music. And then he says, um, and I thought this was this nice little story. He said, John and I bought a bunch of these records at a junk store across the street from our apartment on Decob Avenue. And yeah, so I would guess that that music is from there. I actually scan, I skimmed through a bunch of Gigantor episodes very quickly to see if that music pops up at any other point. And it was kind of fun, actually, to skim through a bunch of weird Gigantor episodes. They are very, the animation is flawed but charming. <laughs> um, I liked what I like saw. We, we had to cut for time. Yeah, yeah, we actually. There's a bunch of stuff of us goofing on it. So anyway, let's let's go back to Kitten. <laughs> It's a hard word for me to say. Kitten. Let's go back to kitten intro. So the the only thing they've said about this uh, is that it's based on a car commercial, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was looking up uh, 80s car commercials and yeah. then some 70s ones too. And I think I found what they might have been thinking of. Really? And I'm going to show these commercials to Dave. New action for the cat set. And a new symbol of driving excitement. Mercury Cougar XR7 with a total new look for 77. Bold, strong, aggressive, more of a Cougar than ever before. Deeply padded, luxurious, front disc brakes, steel belted radials, and a stance on the road that says, this is my private domain. This year, XR7 unleashes new excitement. <laughs> okay, so so that was a 1977 Mercury Cougar commercial. So there's a car called a Cougar. Can I pause for and a second? I would love Dave to describe it because I think he's good right. at that kind of thing. So it's a attractive woman. It's huh? Farrah Fawcett. Is that? It's so blurry, I can't tell. Farrah That's Fawcett. how she used to look. <laughs> she was just a blur. Pre, uh, yeah. <laughs> she gets into a car with a honest-to-God Cougar. Yeah. And uh, they drive off. There's a cat that screams. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the MGM lion. Yeah. And uh, Farrah Fawcett, uh, presumably, doesn't look like her, gets into a car with a cougar. She's petting it. Uh, probably ate her face and took over. And they're going to, to have a night on the town together. Yeah, they're going on a date because they're going to a restaurant next. Yeah, she's bringing hotel. the cougar to a restaurant. <laughs> so Dave, so that, that might be one option. Let's go through these. This is the second option. It's a 1980 commercial for the Lynx car. And if you people don't know, Lynx is another type of feline. Uh, commonly, I think our audience Commonly knows. found in uh, jungles? I don't know. Here you go. Eight wheels also. Links. 
It has 60 cubic feet of space. A hundred steering wheels. That's a pleasure. I like the beep time. <laughs> the music. Beep boop. <laughs> the most advanced cassette tape player. Vinyl record player. <laughs> Starting today, the world belongs to an American car. Starting today, the world belongs to the Cougar. I mean the Lynx. <laughs> so, Dave, describe what happened at the end there. Uh, well, that Lynx there, it jumped on a ball. A giant sphere, and it turned to the planet Earth. It jumps on a giant gray sphere, and it turns to... Like the prisoner. <laughs> it turns to Earth. So it might be the Lynx, and then we've got one th- third option, another Cougar commercial. Is that Farrah Fawcett again? <laughs> Maybe. I think so. Um, 78. So this is another 78 Cougar commercial. I just wanted to keep this in as an option, because we really don't know what they're referencing, but... Yeah, it's Farrah Fawcett again. <laughs> Another cougar. Midnight is mystery. Midnight is excitement. Wow. Now, midnight is cougar. The midnight cat in midnight blue and chamois. A bold new Mercury Cougar XR7 for 78 with deeply cushioned buckets, floor shift, console, and padded tire deck. Cougar XR7 Midnight Cat. Isn't this your year to join the cat set? So she gets the cat set. So those are the three options I found. I love that kind of announcer that has that really pulled back voice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm dead emotionally. I think it's definitely a combination of those commercials. Yeah, I mean yeah. they're all cat based. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I guess cats were a big uh, selling point for cars at one point. Yeah, I was hoping to find one that really echoed it, like saying "There's a car coming" and it's blah blah blah. But those I think are pretty the first damn one, close. The Farrah Fawcett one was like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a Farrah Fawcett coming. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the fuck out. Um, every model comes with Farrah Fawcett. She's like Santa Claus. She can do do all the cars in one night. <laughs> well, we have cloning technology. It's just the government doesn't want to admit it. So yeah, the kitten intro has always been something I found very, very funny. Well, it sort of bookends the other uh, critic intro. Yeah, I wonder how many more of these things they had. They had at least two, (laughs) though I know of a few more that we'll get to in the future that are just bootlegged and Mm -hmm. stuff. What I think is interesting about this, the kitten intro, is that they, they are saying... They're acknowledging that their fans, I think, are kind of a weird types or different or like maybe not, not to pat ourselves on the back, but that the fans are maybe not into the mainstream thing because sure. it says one of these kittens is not prepared to have a good time, which describes me. I think <laughs> it stands alone away from the crowd. It's your kind of kitten. And, and it's it's funny because it, it is a joke, but I do think that they're tapping into the idea that they're like a cult band already. I mean, this might be from. Where do we think this is from? Like 85, 86, 87, something like that. I think they're already aware that, you know, the kind of people who are will like their music is not going to be, you know, into like yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish. To name. <laughs> to name few. one very specific one. Yeah, I think they're they're leaning into the, uh, the artsiness of it here. I always think of the line to climb into that car and shake the paw of destiny. <laughs> you can't say paw without it being adorable. Cute, yeah. When he's in mammal, when he says they raise a paw, like that was one oh, of the, that's adorable. That's one of, I feel like I remember that's one of the first thing might be giant songs. My girlfriend liked because she thought that was so cute. Yeah. My wife too. And I was like, they're not cute. <laughs> they're bad. They're, they're dark. <laughs> meanwhile, it's like Linnell, they raise a paw. It's like sometimes you need a little self-awareness, uh, that outside perspective of a band you like or anything you like. I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been a They Might Be Giants fan who like made their car into like the kitten car <laughs> like that. Like you're waiting online for like a concert and then this car pulls up on the right. street and like, you know, in Manhattan or something and <laughs> it's got kittens painted all over it. I don't think they go that far. I don't know. 
There I is think that, that's there a challenge. That, there's <laughs> that one guy. You know who you are. No. No, they might be giants or not Satanists. They are not posing as an easy listening Nazi rock band trying to lure intellectuals into believing what they already know to be true. No. Listen to the sound of my voice. Put away your big blue cigars and make way. So yes. then we've got the Flansburg portion, which is very uh, Flansburg-y. Yeah. Um, it gets darker. It gets a little more uh, about, you know, their place in pop culture and, and you know, uh, talking about the music scene, which I feel like Linnell has done that in a few songs, but I think Flansburg's personality is really to kind of uh, obsess or maybe now he doesn't worry about it, but I think at the time they were really wondering where, they're, where they fit in into the music world. Jordan, what do you make of the... The big blue cigars. For some reason, oh my that God. stuck out to me. I tried to Google blue cigars to see if it was a particular yeah, brand. Yeah. And, uh, a few things came up that are that are modern. Yeah. I always wondered about big blue cigars. You know what? It, it makes me think of like, you know, in like Dumbo and there's like the, the hallucination or something. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like a cartoony, yeah. kind of like a psychedelic uh, or like in Yellow Submarine or something. Yeah, like, yeah. here's the music executive monster <laughs> or something. <laughs> and it's like some person, you know, with like a clown with a thing. Uh, right. <laughs> I kind of think of that. Uh, I do wonder if, if that came from something. I like that they, uh, you know, they put the words easy listening and Nazi next to <laughs> each other. For those who don't know, easy listening is a, a really comedically named genre of music. And it's a, it's a genre of music where I'm like, is that, a, is that what people call it to disparage it? Or are the people like proud of that? Because there'll be a radio station that's like, easy listening, 201. That's already too brash. Yeah. <laughs> you got to dial that back. Easy. Hey, everyone. Easy yeah. listening. You got it. So saying easy listening, well, it's it's a weird hey, term because we all want music to be easy to listen to. I want my music difficult. Yeah, like you want to like what you're hearing. You don't want it to be a challenge. But then I guess sometimes it's it's fun to tackle a challenge, right? So kitten intro, anything else about kitten intro? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's It still has that weird kind of, there is like a, a creepiness to it. The music is is, sure. is scary. It's unsettling. It's funny that like before a concert, when you want to play something on stage to pump people up, like a normal <laughs> rock band would play something with like a beat and like, yeah, get people excited. And this is like, this <laughs> makes you a little uncomfortable and on edge, like prepared for the worst <laughs> I think it goes hand in hand with the, you know, critic intro. It just sets you up for what they're all about. It was one of those things when you were trying to get me into them that kind of like pushed them over the edge, like made them all stand out a little bit more, a little bit more unique. Yeah. These, these sketches. It's, it's funny because I think for some people, humor is a turnoff. But I think for people, people like us, you know, it's like, I'm like, I know Dave's going to laugh at the kitten stuff. And yeah. like, I feel like that for me, it puts me on a band's side if I see them being funny. Like if I get into a new band... And then I'll look up a music video and it's funny. I'll be like, oh, awesome. They're Mm. not like assholes (laughs) who are too uptight about their music. Yeah, you gotta have a little bit of humor. The most favorite thing about your music is just the humor. Uh I was wondering if you could comment on that. I know a lot of bands will uh, use anger instead of humor to to look at the contradictions in life. We start with anger. In fact, we think of it as anger and other people think it's funny and that makes us even angrier. (laughs) (laughs) We're bitter men. (laughs) 
Um, no, it's it's a strange thing. It's really a balancing act, I think, for us. You know, um, I mean, we we you know appreciate comedy just as much as anybody, but I think we uh, realize the shortcomings of doing music that uh, where the primary element is comic. It's tough, you know. Um, for us, I think it just really comes down to personal expression. It's the kind of people that we are. We know we know a lot of other musicians who have a hard time kind of reconciling their personal sense of humor and putting it into their music in a way that makes sense. I think a lot of times musicians have a much keener sense of humor and there's really, they can't find a way to work it into their music. For us, I think we just don't even, we don't even think about it. I think a lot of our songs, you know, a lot of our songs are probably straighter than, I mean, you, if you read a, if you read a, a review by somebody who wasn't partial to us, I think you'd probably get the impression that we were a much more over the top thing. And when in fact, like, we're, you know, there's, you know, dignity, dignity, dignity in, in what we do, you know, I mean. It, we think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's hard to say, but, you know, I mean, mo- a lot of rock bands wear a lot less clothes than we do. And, uh, and, uh, and we know. think they're silly. Yes. So let's move on to the next bonus Life's track. Life's a laugh fest. The next track, Whip Day. Yeah. I never went to the tropical island. How's it going, Dave? I love this song. Wow, this is a I'd, I'd say this is an official fan favorite. We yeah, I was wondering about that. Stamp that on there. Um, even Flansburg himself has said that it's too bad this never was on an album. Yeah. I, I think. Well, he can make that happen, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Red tape, you know. Yeah, you know the the bosses. This is one of the only songs they talk about in the booklet. Yes. uh, So, Dave, what they say here, the germ for Weep Day was... If you guys don't know. And I think most fans know this, but we're going to talk about this, was the hyphenated reference to a song on the back of a Bob Dylan record jacket, which read, Mr. Tambo, end of the page, Uh dash urine man, which picks up at the other side of the page, the other, the left side. An unfortunate uh, hyphenation. Flansburg drew disturbing likenesses of... So this is a weird sentence. Mm-hmm. Flansburg drew disturbing likenesses of both Mr. Tambo and Urine Man, and Linnell dreamed up their antithetical relationship and set it to music. So this was Flansburg's idea. When they say he drew it up, we know he's a cartoonist and he's an artist. You think that's literal? Did he like be like, hey, John, here it is. That would be bizarre. <laughs> I didn't know if they're using that term literally or not. So I, I think that that is interesting. This was like Flansburg noticed this. And- mm-hmm. So are they saying they saw this thing, they thought it was funny, and they wanted <laughs> yeah. to craft a story around it about these two characters? Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to add, the, the, there's a lot of characters, right? And they sure. might be giant songs in their lore. And these are these are two new characters that we meet. I want to say about the, that record jacket, I tried for a while doing like searches online to see this record jacket. And I looked at the backs of record jackets and I looked at where uh, records that Mr. Tambourine Man 
was put out on compilations, old records, stuff from the, I tried looking like 1980s cause that's when they would have had it. I didn't find anything. I know friend of the show, Chris Stengel told me that he's been looking for years <laughs> and he has not found any Bob Dylan jacket that hyphenates Tambo and urine man, or even maybe like a, someone covering it. Like I didn't even find that. So what are you insinuating there, Jordan? I think they're filthy liars. Uh-huh. And I think maybe, maybe it was an article. Maybe it wasn't a record jacket or, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe it was, I mean, I just, how many different bo- record jackets could there be for for this one? Maybe song? someone really caught that early and was like, we gotta, we gotta recall this jacket. Uh-huh. I want to talk about Mr. Tambourine man a little, just because okay. it's sort of the, the impetus for this song. Um, because this kind of brings us to a cool thing about early They Might Be Giants uh, shows. Right. So they did a show years back where they invited the audience yeah. to come on, to bring an acoustic guitar, as many people as possible, bring your acoustic guitar, we're all going to play Mr. Tambourine Man together. We have had shows where if you brought an acoustic guitar, you could play a horse with no name and we would play... <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other song. We would play Mr. Tambourine Man with all the verses from the Bob Dylan version. And our good friend, Mr. Bill Krause, who is, uh, is, as you know, is there, not you, Dave, as our audience knows. Yeah, I know. He was their producer throughout the 80s and their live sound man and their third Beatle collaborator and their friend. Exactly. And he sent us an old... uh, flyer that Flansburg made. So we'll post the flyer on the Twitter, but it's pretty text heavy, so we can read it right here so you get the idea of what's going on. So he sent us a flyer. It's handwritten by John Flansburg. It's written in accordance with sheet music for Mr. Tambourine Man, along with lyrics. So he Mm -hmm. really wanted people to learn this song. And he says, they might be giants, the victory show. Well, should we do it in the 85 radio? (laughs) Well... Well, it's been an awesome dream this past month at the Pyramid. In fact, we'd like to say it's been perfect, but it hasn't been perfect. (laughs) One thing seems to have been missing these past four weeks, and that thing has been you performing Mr. Tambourine Man on an acoustic guitar with 5,000 other acoustic guitar players live (laughs) on stage with us this coming Saturday, March 29th at 11 p.m. Just bring your acoustic guitar to the door. It will serve as your comp admission. No electrics, please. If you have any friends you'd like to bring as guests, that's fine, but they, and this is all underlined but they must bring acoustic <laughs> guitars and be ready to play so be who you are dress like a star see you there love tmbg and it has the address for the pyramid club and it's got the sheet music and now uh, that must have not sounded very good to have i would love um <laughs> i would love to hear unless what that everybody was like. playing perfectly in sync so what we would do is we would have Sometimes we would be in venues that had balconies and all the guitar people with the guitars would be in the balcony. <laughs> and uh, we tried to do it on a regular basis. It's, a re- it's actually a, quite, a, quite a majestic thing to hear just the, uh, the dull kind of like thrum of, yeah. of uh, 75 acoustic guitars all in relative, <laughs> relative tuning tune. proximity to one another. <laughs> but, you know, it, it sounds like something, you know, it sounds like sort of like putting a, like a beehive on your head. When I- <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Tambourine Man is, is a Bob Dylan song. Another Bob Dylan reference. Yeah, there's a few Bob Dylan references. There's even another one coming up. But <laughs> you didn't know that, bub. Whoa. Bub. Uh, it's written by Bob Dylan. It's on his 1965 album, Bringing It All Back Home. I mentioned I don't like him, right? Yeah, Dave, okay. what, do you want to talk about that anymore? <laughs> do you want to alienate a percentage of our uh, listeners? 
No, nothing against anybody that likes him. I just, I never liked his voice. I never liked his timber. I don't know. The songs are very meandering. <laughs> Dave's a real timber Nazi. You know, it's funny. I, I've always, Do you like him? So I've always been kind of like indifferent to him. Um, more just like not my thing, but uh, you know, clearly he's, he's, you know, he's like, well, I don't think he needs my help. You know, (laughs) I'm not saying that Um, and I don't disparage the man. I'm sure he's perfectly pleasant, but you know, it's not my thing. I I listen, I put on Mr. Tambourine man last night and it was like 20 seconds in and I started to feel like good and kind of relaxed. And I was like, maybe I do like Bob. (laughs) All right. Well, convince me. Maybe you'll turn it around. Let's hear it. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I'll come following you It's not bad. It's it's less Bob Dylan-y than his other well, songs. Though. It has a real melody. Yeah, my, that's my my issue exactly. with yeah, I think me and Dave have a similar issue, which is like we're not really huge folk fans, only in the sense that a lot of folk songs, it's like oh, it's the melody I've heard already. It's like the chords I've heard already. Like I, I like to be surprised, you know. That's why I'm a They Might Be Giants fan. I like to not know what is coming around the corner. Um, I mean, only in music. I like to know what's coming around the corner when I'm <laughs> out late at night, you know. What if it's me scaring you on the yeah, block? Yeah. I like to when I'm in the lower side in the 80s i like to <laughs> i like to know what's coming around the corner or um, today <laughs> yeah or today the other thing about mr tambourine man is is the band has like a really long history with the song so so they did that show where everyone played along and i saw them cover it for a while on a tour in 1998 uh which is a year i'm pretty sure i saw a bunch of shows uh they covered uh sort of the birds version of mr tambourine man which is more the jangle pop version mm-hmm. we did the song on uh, that, this radio station this morning. I think we should do it again just anyway because it's fun to play. Let's do that, uh, that song by Mr. Bob Dylan, performed by the birds. Let's just do it the way, let's do it the way that disturbed Bob Dylan when he heard the birds doing it. <laughs> And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that they're doing the song that already has a place in their catalog. And I, I wonder what Flansburg's seems like it's Flansburg's fascination with the song. I mean, even with Weep Day, he thought of the idea mm-hmm. and then gave it to Linnell. And I, that also seemed to tie with working undercover for the man. Like I, they would do those like at the same shows. Mm-hmm. Basically, they arranged working undercover for the man like Mr. Tambourine Man for mm-hmm. a while. And like it, it, it basically working in the cover was this jangle pop song, similar tempo. It almost seemed like the same key. And I remember they did both at a show and I kind of tied them together. And I, I wonder if they think the birds version of Mr. Tam Reman is, is interesting in the sense that it's turning this folky song into a pop song. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that's like an interesting topic for them. You know, what does the birds version sound like? See, now this is music. <laughs> yeah, a tambourine would wake you up. Okay, so so Dave, besides all this 
all this uh, yeah, hooting and hollering about you know, the references and all that. What do you think about Weep Day as, as just a song? What did you think when you were getting into them and this was one of the first songs you heard? It's a good song. It's a good one. It's not my favorite. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, Second favorite, though? <laughs> right? I mean, they have so many good songs. It's kind of hard to say. This is the problem. With, this is, it's weird that it's become a problem. Keeps me up at night, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, especially lately, it's become a problem. I, I very serious uh, have uh, <laughs> this. This is weird lately. It's like they have these great songs that they don't have a home for. Yeah, and it's it's not that the songs cease to exist because we know them, but it's almost like the Netflix binge thing. Mm, it's like too much of a good thing. Well, or or whatever. Sometimes it's not good, not too but, much of a good thing. But when, what I mean is, it's like it's it's hard to get obsessed with things anymore because I used to, there used to be just so you would watch episodes of like Simpsons over and over again. Mm. Right. When you were growing up, you'd Are watch you saying if there's too much stuff, reruns. it's less special. Yeah. You'd watch like reruns. That's my business you'd listen model. to one album over and over. Right. And now it's like, before I'm done listening to like 10 new, they might be giant songs. There's like another 10 new songs. Right, and then right. I can't catch up. And it's sort of like TV is like that too lately. Sure. Um, sure. Not movies because all movies have been bad. Garbage. But, <laughs> but, um, but that's like a sort of a side topic. Um, but Weep Day, the song though, I mean, look, it's a great song. It's as oblique lyrically as I can yeah, yeah. imagine for them. I don't know if we should try to interpret. I was looking at the lyrics today. I was like, how the hell are we going to do this? Um, I have a few things about the lyrics that are a little interesting that aren't so much about interpreting so i used to have one line wrong and it was mm -hmm. i thought it was it wasn't me who punched the hole in at mm -hmm. the west german protest march what it actually is is it wasn't me you punched a hole in mm -hmm. the narrator of this song has a hole in him did you think it was the other lyric too yeah i think so yeah, yeah and even the wikipedia had it wrong and i i told our, our friend john to <laughs> to change it well it's very lyric then so I mean, there's just so he many sings. Total. He's singing fast too, yeah. But I thought that was really interesting because it makes it even more surreal. It wasn't me. You punched a hole in. I almost. It's a very Looney Tunes thing, mm -hmm. almost, right? Uh, you know, it's like you or like death becomes her. Yeah. <laughs> the, the poster. Wow. Sorry, that's yeah. burned in my brain. So as I've said, like the more I don't understand a song of They Might Be Giants, the more I think I like it. And this this is a great one. I mean, I kind of you get a sense of what's happening. It's not like random. It's it's just there's like a sort Case of, of mistaken identity. Yeah, well, there's a, co a consistency to what's going on. It's it's someone who's who's maybe torn in two or mm -hmm, more mm -hmm. than two, yeah, yeah. or he's saying we're all like that. And simultaneous events don't happen is I think really interesting line. Which clearly means they do happen. They do happen. That's Unreliable narrator. Right now, exactly. This guy's a fuck. <laughs> That's all. He's just a fuck. We are isolated temporarily. So me and Dave, th uh, we used to kind of think of that line as we are isolated temporarily, but what it means is we're isolated in regard to time, the way time works. It's almost the opposite of uh, now that I have everything. We've talked a lot about how everything is everything yeah. last time. And this is saying... We're, everything is all separate. And well, a part is never called the whole thing. This is the shit I can't wrap my brain yeah. around. I'm going to be honest. Like this is some quantum physics stuff, man. No, this is really, this is really an elaborate song and it's hard to say. This is like alternate universes and alternate timeline <laughs> shit. And like whenever they do this in a sci-fi movie, I just like, I'm fucking done. I checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a complex song or, it, or it's purposefully, oh, this is what I'm thinking. It's just purposefully a jumble because a lot of their narrators are just jumbled people. Who, right. You know, um, and then we've, 
we've got every man is the chorus. Every man is made of two opinions. This is true for Dave. He he has two whole opinions. Yeah, that's it. What are your two opinions, uh, Dave? It's bad and it's really bad. <laughs> but just everything. <laughs> yeah. I thought Dave was gonna be like, coffee is good. And, and everything else is bad. Check out uh, X Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, I'd say my two opinions are um, why I like Twin Peaks <laughs> yeah. and um, you like Gargoyles is underrated. <laughs> Disney's, yeah, I, I agree with that. Disney's Gargoyles. I, I tried to not say they wrote me giants because I thought that was uh, obvious. But um, every woman has a second half. Women. See, that line can't live. <laughs> stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. That line disturbed me. Oh, well, that's funny because that line reminds me of a horror movie idea Dave had. Which was? About this, like, a man married to the, a woman and the man is going through some paranoid delusion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like before all this, what is known as elevated horror started happening. Are you talking about the world? Or the movie genre, movie genres. What are you talking about? Elevated horror. Elevated horror is this t- term in horror that they're coming up with lately, like last few years, to like horror that's like not just monsters or gore, but it like has a meaning, and it's kind of a contentious term because horror has always had deeper meanings in it. Oh, it's like <laughs> when someone says graphic novel, it's like yeah, because all comics were not right. we're dumb. Yeah, so it's like you know, exciting movies like Get Out or um, I hate that shit. A Quiet Place. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, Quiet Hereditary Place is a real deep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Go back to Night of the Living Dead. It was about You stuff. go back to Night of the Living Dead. Fuck you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had an idea for a horror movie. and uh, I mean, horror stories from the fucking 1700s were about stuff. It's all metaphor. Yeah. It's all, like, psychologically analyzing the people and yeah. how we think about things. It's and, all ways we figure out the world. Yeah. And uh, come to terms with our with our so, uh, psychosis. So let's circle back to that, that lyric what? then. Yeah. Well, every every woman has a second half. I kind of just broadened that to like, you know, not just women, but uh, people have that other side to them that can be uh, really scary. And There's this uh, half that likes you and, and the half that doesn't like you. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's funny. It kind of reminds me of a lot of Linnell songs where he talks about like a relationship breaking down or whatever. When mm. there's that turn that happens. Yeah, sure, that, sure. Like, that's the second half to me. Like every woman has a second half. Like here's the half that what they really think about you and all their problems with you and all this stuff. Oh, sure, sure. The horror movie idea I had was kind of like a culmination of these insecurities and feelings yeah, pointing yeah. out like a Relationship real stuff. Uh, danger in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, a physical danger. And then the villain in your horror movie was was Tombo. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so it's Samba time for Tombo. I, you know, it's funny. I never thought about uh, those lyrics in that literal sense. It's Samba time. Like, it's time to dance. Yeah, yeah. I just, look, Dave, this song's crazy, okay? Give me a... Give, it's dense. Get off my back a little. Um, Samba time for Tombo. And weep day for urine man. So when Samba, okay, okay, one step. We out need of time. a diagram. When Tombo is dancing to Samba, he's mm-hmm. doing the Samba. Right, as you're wont to do. Urine man is sitting in a corner <laughs> weeping. You think he weeps urine? That's gross. That's the big question. We're gonna find that out in our season finale. I mean, that's what I picture, honestly. If I'm gonna be, truthful. is he just a penis? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a man that like either cries urine or constantly wets his pants. And he's <laughs> saying that it's like weeping because he's embarrassed. Oh, I was just crying on my pants. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, you guys finish the movie without me. <laughs> I think we might be trying to analyze it too deep. I oh think no, we are for sure. I hope, I hope our listeners, joke. I hope our listeners realize we're, we're, we're just doing this because we're bored. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to say like, we're having fun with the song. We're not. I, this I, is I, us having fun. <laughs> 
And yes, it's summertime for Tombo and Weep Day for Urine Man. It, it's hard to convince people that your favorite band is serious when they're saying it's Weep Day for Urine Man. But well, then it's like, yeah, well, a... look at the other lyrics. They're not funny in that sense. So like, this is to me is confidence from them that they can do a song like this. Maybe that's why it's not on an album. Honestly, maybe it's just a little too, mm-hmm. too far in that direction of like, wow, this is very weird and funny. And is it more funny than weird or is it even, I don't know, maybe weird is the wrong term. I'm always uh, super paranoid about using the wrong terms about the band's music. <laughs> well, I'll interject here sure. because I think this is a good point mm-hmm. to say what I was uh, reminded of with this song is that when I was working at the comic store, Daniel had actually made this mixtape mm-hmm. They Might Be Giants. And a lot of it was like the singles and the songs you would expect to be on it. But Weep Day was one of the ones on it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. So the comic store, there would be like, uh, you know, this one of the great things about it is you could just the play comic, your own I music. just want to say the comic book store, we all used to hang out when we were old. Right. We've we mentioned friends. it. Yeah. Listen people, to old episodes. People don't listen in order. So why would you do that? <laughs> because some people are being like, oh, they talk about my favorite song, Weep Day. Let me listen to this right. episode. Well, yeah. and they'll be disappointed. <laughs> But uh, yeah. so we had, you know, we had this CD player or whatever. And I remember, I remember after after years, the CD player broke. So I was just like, what tapes do we have? Yeah. And there were, I found this mixtape. R.E.M. That Daniel made. Murmur. <laughs> just random cassettes. Yeah. So Weep Day was on it. So that was like something I was listening to a lot just because it was literally the only thing to listen to. But I remember the owner of the store was saying, oh, just put on anything. But that band, they might be giants. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a common story. And uh and we're, I think Daniel was even there when we were talking about it. I was like, and we're like oh, what's the problem with that? He's like, I, I don't know. That song, I weep, 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 weep. <laughs> can't take it. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. that. I do like that very much. That, that to me is the heart of the podcast, is stories <laughs> like that. Who his son wrote in and is developing a new appreciation. Yeah, for. yeah. So maybe... Exactly. He's not taking after his, his, his old man. Maybe he'll, he'll turn him around. But, you know, that bridge of the song... To point that out specifically is, yeah, something you can't get past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a few weird things with the lyrics in the song, a few inconsistencies, which almost kind of fits <laughs> the theme of the song, I think. Right. So here's something cool. So Dave, look on my wall over there. Can't make me do anything. <laughs> yeah. So what I have is a, a wall of the old They Might Be Giants flyers that they, they sold in their um, merchandise store, which you can buy. And it's kind of mind blowing. Uh, it's really cool stuff. And I assembled them into a big frame. Not all of them because I couldn't fit all of them. One of them has, here's lyrics for some of our most requested songs live. And one of them is Weep Day. So it's handwritten. To me, it looks like Flansburg's handwriting. Handwritten lyrics to Weep Day. And there's a little minor lyrical difference, okay. which is instead of where he met the consulate from Belgium, mm-hmm. It says where he met the constable from Belgium. Mm. Dave, I was looking up. I know what those words are. Yeah, so consulate and constable are two uh, things. Well, constable is like a policeman. Yeah, so constable is a person holding a particular office, most commonly criminal law enforcement. And a consulate is like a, a delegate from another country, like someone to show yeah. you around. So does that change anything about the song? I don't know. Um, it's a little too hard to wrap my head around. 
I don't know. Honestly, I use all my brain power to f- remember what those meant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the other weird lyrical thing is in the then liner notes, it says, who is now a hermit in a cave. But every every tried and true... Every good hermit knows. <laughs> they might be Giants fan knows that it's well, he's now a Buddhist in a cave. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know why they printed the word hermit. And it, even in these old handwritten ones, it says, it says Buddhist. And those, that's a flyer from like 85, <laughs> 84. Hmm. So it's, it's always been Buddhist for, for a really long time. So it's weird that it says hermit. They're certainly not above having mistakes in the lyrics. Or are they secret messages? Yeah, you think they're intentional? No, I think they're just <laughs> mistakes. So the Oakland Raiders, I'm not a sports guy. So you I, don't say. This is almost painful for me to be reading about it. Well... We know what they are. They're a football team, yeah. and they let's find one fact about them just for our for our, <laughs> for our audience. You don't watch the Super Bowl even? I watched it one time, and I was bored out of my mind. And I even tried asking, can someone explain what's happening? And the explanation was so boring <laughs> that I was just like, forget it. Well, you know, I like playing, not that I do anymore much, but I would like much rather play a sport than watch it. I'm not against playing and having yeah. fun with your buddies. I'll watch the Super Bowl. I mean, it's one, it's cool to see people do physically exciting things, like yeah. like like a Olympic stuff. I get well, that. That's why I like basketball more than football. And me and some of my nerd friends talked about this once and my, my one friend, I think it was Adam, my friend, who was just like, I just like, he's like, I need a story. I need like a, <laughs> I need like a thing to follow. And I kind of agree. So if like I guess, one team killed the other team's like wife or something. Yeah, like, like I guess wrestling yeah. does that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I don't I mean, like I, wrestling I used to either. watch wrestling a lot. Yeah. I never understood that, but only on a visceral level, it was just like a gross. I don't want to see that, <laughs> but, um, I guess. I mean, it's very close to comic books. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure people listening are annoyed if they like sports. So, okay, <laughs> one fact about the Oakland Raiders. We're going to pick a fact at random. Jesus, this is one of the longest Wikipedia pages I've ever seen. Okay, historical rivals. See, that sounds exciting. That sounds like a comic mm-hmm. book. It says the Pittsburgh Steelers' rivalry with the Raiders has historically been very tight. What does that mean? That's a badly written sentence. All right, well, that's the one fact we're going to say about the Oakland Raiders. The rivalry has been tight? I guess it tense. I don't know. Well, that's a different word, isn't yeah, it now? Yeah, it is. All right, let's um, move on. And then we've got the big, the, all the weeps. We've got yeah. the big chorus and all the weeps. Let's talk about some of the music for the song. I think that's real percussion. Am I right? Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds. I wonder is it Flansburg or Linnell playing the bongos like that? Because it's pretty. It's pretty cool playing i mean it's fast it's furious yeah. <laughs> it's it's tight tight rivalry and um the wikipedia says that flansburg is playing electric bass i don't know where they got that information because it certainly doesn't say it in the liner notes but it does sound kind of it has a weird sound it doesn't sound like a synth it sounds a little rougher so i, I think it's a little muffled to me yeah it is muffled it's it's the recording of the song is, is pretty is pretty rough but it always worked for me <laughs> comparatively it's a little more raw yeah it's not even it almost sounds like mono or something mm-hmm, let yeah. me let me hear again yeah i feel like if it was more produced and mixed you'd see more separation in the instruments you'd it's it's pretty rough but uh, honestly the, these things never got in the way for me and no, as, no. as someone who is 
walked around listening to phone recorded dial songs. I don't really give a two shits about <laughs> about high quality. I know Flansburg seems to think that the fans do. Maybe the younger generation, maybe you millennials or whatever <laughs> you are, iGen, <laughs> care about that kind of quality. I've always just been like, just give me the song. In- insert the song into my ears any way you can. I don't care. I agree. There is one thing that's interesting. They did they did put out the demo for this song, which to me sounds like the exact same music, but a different vocal performance. And Dave, would you like to hear that? I'd love to hear it. They put this on their podcast that they had years ago, which, um, like Bring I, it back. as I call it, the second best uh, They Might Be Giants podcast. Yeah! I never went to the tropical island, though everybody said they saw me there. And it wasn't me who punched a hole in at the West German protest march. Simultaneous events don't happen. So the the vocals are a little different. It's not it's not late breaking news or anything, but it is interesting because um, the music I think is the same. It's just so mm-hmm. similar. I guess I wonder if that was like the dial a song version. I almost w- wonder if they would like re-record. Like they're like, uh oh, we pressed this track already, but we want to put it on the phone, and you can't hear the vocals, so mm-hmm. they're a little louder. I don't know. No, which John is which? <laughs> oh boy dave had one of his spells <laughs> <laughs> years ago uh my band played a show maybe like i don't know 10 years ago in long island and uh one of the bands that went on that bill you know punk band they covered this song really which like it's crazy for a number of reasons one oh, sure that a punk band covers they might be giant song you mm-hmm. can maybe you can maybe imagine that maybe not but two, yeah. this is a real deep cut to cover. It's deep, and weirdly enough, a few people have covered it over the years. That is weird. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. It's clearly a favorite. I'm like it clearly resonates in some way with people. It was almost unrecognizable to me un- until like maybe two thirds through the song. I was like, "Holy shit, this is Weep Day." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I feel like I should have talked to that band. What did it sound like? It, it was kind of Ramonesy, you know. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I never went to the tropical island. Everybody's in the summer there. You know. Yeah, they're really showing it to the to the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that. I mean, it was a really good cover. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It, it to me anyway, it like separated that band from you know the other twenty punk bands. I would lose my shit if that happened. In front I of wish me. you were at that show. I yeah. wish I could remember the band or the venue. I know it was Long Island in the middle of nowhere, but that's about all I can remember. But I thought that was a crazy thing to happen. Did you weep with joy? Like I said. Did you like run on stage and go like, weep, weep, weep? (laughs) I think I was just like. I would have done that. I think what I did was, huh. (laughs) That's that's as excited as Dave gets. So the next song we're going to talk about is The Big, Big big Hordom. Hordom. Come on, baby, turn that frown. Upside down Tell me why You ain't been around What is it Brings you down We work the hardest we To be the smartest We work the hardest To be the smartest We work the hardest To be the smartest We work the hardest To be the smartest And the big, big whore Scared me Big, big whore The big, big whore this is a song you have a lot to say about, I'm assuming. Well, we had a little uh, disagreement about this song years ago. Uh-oh. <laughs> what? Do you, do you not remember? No. Just on what the song meant? I disagree so much 
it, with people in my life, that <laughs> it's all it's all a blur. Well, oh yeah, I know. Okay, well here we go. Let's talk about this. So let's fucking get into it. So it's funny. Because, <laughs> I still maintain my position. It's funny because I didn't remember this. And by the way, I'll say right now, I think Dave's right. But yes, I, but I think I yes, have, I think I have a few points. So <laughs> on TMBW, mm. I actually typed in on the interpretations page what I thought. So this is very old because it has my old website address there. I should just edit it and put the <laughs> new one. Um, this is what I say on the TMBW, and I'll, I'll paraphrase. I assume this is a relationship song. He can't commit, and he's breaking up with the girl, but doing it in that awful way where he's pretending it's not so bad. I think, what do you think just happened to me when I wrote this? <laughs> um, and I say, come on, baby, turn that frown upside down. He's calling her baby, so this probably is a relationship song. We work the hardest to be the smartest, and I say, that's very relatable, you always think you'll be smarter than other couples, not fight, not fall yeah. into the same traps, but you still can't stay together. That's true. Then I say, I'm not sure what the big, big whoredom is. I think I, I thought, I think I thought it was her cheating on mm-hmm. him and, or maybe him cheating on her. Right. Yeah. Maybe he's or, a whore. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. But it scares him. The idea you're paranoid about someone cheating on you is scary. Yeah. And then it ain't so bad as you paint it. There's plenty more heads of hair for us out there. That's saying there's plenty more fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. So this is this is very like relationshipy to me. And then at the end of the song, he's going, "No, please stop." Or maybe it's the other person because it is like other vocals kind of throughout the song. And yeah. you're, no, please stop, don't. And it's very sad, very sad song. So I always thought the song was about a relationship falling yeah. apart. Everyone else, including Dave, seems to think it's about what Dave. It's about work. Work. I mean, I think your what <laughs> your theory is uh, your your analysis is good if you ignore a lot of other lyrics. They go on, um, and there could look. There oh, could, go on. <laughs> there could be a dovetail in between both of these because I think where what you do for a living, where you work, how much money you make, does affect your relationship. Mm. So I, I'm not going to dismiss what you said. Well, people think this is a song about. Selling, selling out. out. Yeah. So yeah. You, that's what you mean by work? Yeah. Okay. What you do for a living, selling out, and whether or not you can compromise mm. um, if your job is creatively satisfying or not. Let's try to figure this out together. Let's, we're going we're gonna to talk it out. The internet doesn't want us to talk like human beings. They want us to fight, but we want to talk. Yeah, let's talk. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't discount your analysis of it, though, because I think what you do for a living and money and all these issues affect relationships mm. a lot. So I think they're intertwined, but I think the crux of the song is about someone being worried that they're not um, living their dreams, being creatively satisfied. Interesting. Well, uh, what? So do you want to take me through it a little? Um, there's yeah. a lot to talk about with this song, by the way. But well, the big, big whoredom, just in general, like whoring out your your skills. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Whoring out they for the call man. It sex worker now, Dave. Making uh, <laughs> making money, just uh, yeah. doing whatever. Because the there's so many references to work and a job in there. That's why you know you can't ignore that it says we work the hardest to be the smartest, and then it's saying we work, we work, and we'll strike it rich. I don't know. It seems like such a personal song. I mean, if you do, you think it's like Lin, like an imaginary Linnell talking to an imaginary Flansburg or something, or do you think it's someone so- talking? To, maybe do you think they're calling someone baby because they're like a hotshot record exec or something? Like, is that what you're saying? Well, no. I think it could still be applied to a relationship. I mean, I've had these kinds of conversations with my wife where it's like, no, no, it'll be okay. Like, I'm going to pursue art. Mm. You know, we'll be fine. I'm not going to be a doctor or whatever. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be anyway. I'm not smart. I, I'm not going be a doctor because i don't feel like it yeah but yeah that part of i i don't know uh coupling with someone and the dis- disappointment and the struggle that goes along with making those decisions 
So I don't think it's just a song about selling out. Oh, I think okay. it's a song about selling it's, out when you have someone else relying on you as well. I had the little light bulb light bulb switch, like our logo. Hey, uh, speaking <laughs> of art, mine finally, wasn't that a great logo? Mine, I made that. Mine turned on just now. So you're saying, um, I, I see what you're saying. It's, it, it is both. Just imagine it's me and my wife talking. It's, rela- <laughs> yeah, it's relationship and it's also saying like, it's like, what is it brings you down and what brings her down? Let's say it's a her is that we don't have money and you should um, consider selling your soul for to make exactly. a better job. And then he's like, well, the big, big heart scares me. Exactly. And, no, no, babe, I ain't convinced. It ain't so bad as you made it. There's plenty more heads of hair for us out there. Let's try to rich. I'm on switch. I want to talk about this line, we'll strike it rich, a monster switch. And I have something very exciting to show Dave. Is it a monster switch? <laughs> Here it is. It's, a, it's attached to my wall. <laughs> um, so remember I talked about those flyers yeah. that They Might Be Giants sent to some fans who, who wanted them, like me. Look at this flyer. It's an ad for a bunch of They Might Be Giant shows for this week in May. I would assume this is 85. And the tagline on the flyer, a monster switch for the weary. Oh, weird. Yeah. Hmm. I was shocked to see this. I I stopped the presses. <laughs> I stopped, ran into traffic, tore off all my clothes, <laughs> you know, like Martin Lawrence did in the 90s or whatever. So this is a flyer. There's four shows. They're at... Different venues, Dorinka, 8BC, all those places we always we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days. It has a picture of them with the big hands, right. which is on their demo tape from 85. And what says, it says, yes, it's out. They might be giants swing into two songs on their debut flexi disc. And then it lists a few record stores that the flexi disc is at. Do you think that's the monster switch though? Yeah. So then it says under that, it says a monster switch for the weary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does this shed light on the lyric or make it more... Um, hard to understand. It sheds light in that it's something that was rattling around in someone's brain. Yeah. I don't think it puts it in any more clear context. A monster switch for the weary. I've been staring at this flyer. Yeah. I always saw a monster switch as just like a big change. A big change. That's what I saw, yeah. saw too. Like, and, oh, we're going to be on easy street now once everybody realizes my art is so great or whatever. And it's not just that it's a big change, but it's it's kind of a very, very typical of their lyrics. It, it's the using the word monster Right. <laughs> so it's like a scary change. Yeah, sure. It evokes that it's maybe aggressive or that it's um, uncontrollable, yeah. like a monster would be. Yeah. Um, or just misunderstood, Jordan. Mis- yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, a monster. I'm going to say it again because this is <laughs> a monster switch for the weary. So you're so I guess the flyer is saying, oh, you're bored at home. You don't know what to do. How about a monster switch for the weary? Right. It's a little different Come context. see our fun shows. Mm-hmm. It is different context, but it is interesting to me that this was, and I, th- I think this would be when they were playing that song live. Yeah. In terms of selling out, I, what I wanted to do was touch on the idea of, of They Might Be Giants selling out just a little. A lot of these, then the earlier years bonus tracks kind of, go in this weird direction of them being like proud of who they are. Yeah, yeah. Mainstream USA. Um, one could you know, describe that for a few songs, maybe. Now that I have everything, we talked about that. So the idea of them selling out and, and them in this weird, like they must have felt a few, some buzz from like record executive people at this time, 85, 86. They must have felt like it was a scary possibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've all had these moments in our life when we were like, 
whoa, I might be able to do this thing that might not be good. Should I do it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think you should always go for it. Pull that monster switch. Yeah, why not? You got one life, folks. Yeah, make mistakes. And bake a cake. And bake a mistake into a cake. The end. So... What, what happened? I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line from one of my songs. Were you referencing my song? Yeah, it's always about you. I have a song where I say, look at that mistake you made on the cake. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't <laughs> referencing you. You'll have to tune into my podcast where I analyze my own songs for uh -huh. three hours. So, yeah, them selling out seems to be a thing. And also just their place in the music business. What what record executives thought of them. I know they, they said record executives at the time at, at Restless, their mm -hmm. like indie label, thought Dial a Song was a bad idea. I mean, I had uh, multiple conversations with people at record companies and even... You know, not just not just major label companies, but even indie label companies who are like, "Why are you giving away the thing that you're you'd want to be selling?" To so to a lot of people, there was a lot of like sort of what is the term cognitive dissonance. You know, like the way I thought about it was like nobody knows who we are. Our songs are definitely not on the radio. Like we we don't. This is about the most like low stakes gambit you could be involved in. But for like people who are like in the business of selling music, they're just like, you guys just look pathetic. You know, like you're doing this thing that makes you look like your music isn't worth anything. And part of that was because it's like, why would you give away free music? We're trying to sell your music. And it's like you could see that example, but they're also it's like they're not they're missing. They're not seeing the forest for the trees. It's like... Well, except that that's exactly what everybody does now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> true. Which is really weird. That's a whole other thing. True. Um, but yeah, just the idea that like, it's not about the money. It's about getting... It's about building an it's about audience. Funny. It's funny. And then at the end, you've really got this interaction of the two vocals. No, weird horns. <laughs> yeah, the horns is... A, well, we'll talk about that. But... Um, yeah, it's one thing I like. The giving up horns, <laughs> we call them. <laughs> kind of reminds me, the horn, we'll just talk about it now. Um, yeah. That, that it's like a limp. Trump, yeah. <laughs> it's like a limp. It's a limp dick. Tr it's a limp <laughs> trumpet kind of pathetically, you know. <laughs> please, please, please stop it. kind of reminds you like the guitar solo and hearing aid or you know, right. yeah. it was kind of like half-hearted like <laughs> we're all slowly dying uh kind of instrument mm -hmm. solos so that definitely fits and yeah so, so it's like the vocals are interesting because they're like double tracked linnells but there there's no effort at all to make them um on top of each other mm -hmm. it, it, a line up on top it's supposed to be a big mess right and yeah. and to me like that kind of implies like a state of mind you know for the narrator and the song and how you, your state of mind when you're hearing it you know it's just all it's like a lot of inner thoughts that are on top of each other right you know to your credit i'm <laughs> i'm not quite sure how uh plenty more heads of hair that's kind of the only line that doesn't line up with yeah. what I'm interpreting with the song, unless it is just like you could get another boss, you know, you could get another big client that'll give you some work for your yeah, art. Or music yeah, yeah, or, or it could another be there. It could be an audience. There's plenty more. Oh, that's oh my god, fuck light bulb moment. Wow, too. Saying there's plenty more heads of hair. 
what does it look like when you're on stage and you're playing to a crowd? To Linnell... (laughs) (laughs) Depends how high up you are. It probably looks like a bunch of heads of hair facing you. Do you see? Okay, I, I think this convinced me. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is that on, I'm right. <laughs> um, well, and you and a few other fans. I mean, so I always saw there's plenty more heads of hair as like Linnell just almost other like women, other fish in the sea. Yeah, like but like almost taking that phrase yeah, and making yeah, sure. it more alien yeah. and more like how he sees people. <laughs> Different heads of hair. Yeah, and you know he has the song like "I am a human hair" or whatever. <laughs> what is it? I'm a human head. head yeah. I am a human head. He's, it's like this weird consistent thing with him where he sees people as these like weird, like nothing's going to change my clothes. Yeah. He's he's like sacks. Sacks. (laughs) Yeah. Sacks of organs. Sacks of organs and hair on top and, you know, a a furry hat, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) saying your hair is a furry hat is just like, where, what planet is Linnell from? Mm. (laughs) So this, I always saw it as that, but being literal with it that he's talking about we might lose our audience our mm. core tmbg cult audience in the east village but there's plenty more heads of hair if we sell out and we play um songs about you know hey we're gonna have a fun time tonight kind of songs well it could be uh, could be that or it could just be he's confident that he'll find an audience being weird well you know I, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it and i i think that you know, luckily for me, I still feel like we were extremely lucky in the early 90s to have the success we had. I think that we, we, did, we did okay, and obviously we could, at this moment, be whoever it is, fill in the blank, that uh, is in everyone's face all the time. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think we started out with the idea that that seemed very unlikely, that what we wanted to do was probably not going to be for absolutely everyone in the world and that, in fact, the bands that often are that popular are not actually really beloved by anybody, that they're just, they're just sort of tolerated by the sum total of everyone who buys records. And we, you know, we have a pretty, very, actually, very loyal and uh, good following. They've, they've stuck with us, you know. Yes. We, uh, what do you think the argument is he, that he's saying? What is it brings you down? Yeah, I guess it's hard to tell which side he's on. I think it's just, you know, the typical argument. I'm just bringing it back to what no, I know. No, I see your point. Yeah, we don't, we don't know that he's advocating for a, a monster switch. Um, someone is. We'll strike it rich, a monster switch. Well, look, this goes with the whole theme of a lot of what we've been talking about. It's hard to go off and, and have that confidence and say, like, look, I'm going to bring this weird thing to the world. Everyone is going to latch on to it. Because the reality is it might be a big failure. But, you know, you got to take those chances. And, folks, isn't it great that they did? No, yeah. So this is a consistent <laughs> thing. With, with, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, so let's let's just talk about the music a little more. This is John Linnell playing guitar, yeah. and Dave. Do you know what he's playing here? I'll just like he's basically playing nothing. So I'm holding a guitar, and he's basically That's what it sounds going, like. Yeah. <laughs> this is an open guitar. There's no finger being pushed down. Great. And Dave, while we're on the subject of, of how easy it is to play on guitar, <laughs> this is one of the first songs I ever learned. And here is a recording here we of go. Little Jordan doing the Big Big... Little Jordan, age 32. Doing the Big Big Hordem to his loyal fans. Big Big Hordem, Jordan on guitar, coming up. Come on, baby, turn that frown upside down. Tell me why you ain't been around What is it brings you down? Work the hardest to be the smartest 
work the hardest to be the smartest, work the hardest to be the smartest, work the hardest to be the smartest, but the big, big boredom scared me. So um, the context of that is I was doing like a little live stream with people listening from this old TMBG chat. Oh, okay. And I was taking song requests. <laughs> That's what some of these clips oh. are from. Live streaming was around back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were really on the cutting edge of this I was like stuff. a Joe Rogan. So I always loved Big Big Hordum. What? Do you, yeah, let's talk about just where it ranks for you. Do you? What do you make of this song as as a listener? I mean, it resonates a lot with me. You know, lyrically mostly, and yeah, even even musically, just the the feeling that it gives you. It's obviously not going to be a single. Yeah, or maybe not. Obviously, who am I? To, <laughs> who am I to judge? Um, it always reminded me of of early Beck. Do you ever hear early Beck? Um, it's Not like much, very but... much sounds like that. Okay. It's like weird folk. It's very strange, scary folk. Well, I like that quality of it. I mean, mm. you know, some Violent Femmes is like that too. So another thing that's interesting is then, then this song gets mentioned in Nightgown of the Sullen Moon. Yeah. We should just talk about that a little bit. Cause we already talked about it in the, in our miscellaneous tea episodes. Yeah. Everyone yeah. listen to those. If you haven't heard those, go back, go stop, turn around <laughs> Put your left foot out, <laughs> do a little dance, do a samba, and listen to those. Because I, I, did you like those episodes? I was really proud of those. I uh, don't remember them. So Nightgown of the Sullen Moon says there's... I don't a, look back, Jordan. There's That's a, the rear view mirror, baby. Uh, Turn that frown upside down. In Nightgown of the Sullen Moon, he mentions um, there's a feeling of boredom of the big whoredom. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the big, big whoredom. So I, you think the big whoredom is boring, but the big, big whoredom is... That's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's where the scene's happening. The only thing I really wanted to say for this is um, the idea that like, sort of like with the monster switch being on the flyer, it's like they're creating these phrases and they're creating right. characters and things that kind of keep coming back, you know, and we we try to trace all those in, on the show. Kind of like how we wanted uh, the phrase, there's a logic to our flogic to take off, right? Yes. Well, you did. I, I would. I would graciously accept it, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> lose sleep over it. But um, I have been. Yeah. Come on, someone, make a T-shirt. I think that's how I got shingles. I was so stressed out about that making it. Yeah. You know, I was saying I should make a YouTube channel. What I'd really prefer is if we had a fan that <laughs> did it and put clips themselves, <laughs> so I don't have to do I, it. You know, someone else could just be in the seat. <laughs> just think my thoughts and say them. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Why can't someone else do the show? So, but the idea of, of them having these phrases that would come back and these characters, and I, I think that's, I find that very endearing. And the, the idea that there's these reoccurring things and, and there's these things you can only hear at, at a They Might Be Giant show. Because when you just hear one song, I, I don't think you can really get an idea of the depth and the diversity to They Might Be Giants. Well, that, well you know, I think that for a long time that was something that we were really trying to promote is this sort of idea of like that like they might be trying to kind of being its own musical universe there's a there's a band of uh, the residents that we were very influenced by and one of the things about the residents i mean the residents were you know very distinct band but um there was a quality to what they did that really felt like you're in their world when you listen to their albums the thing is to be original and i think about this a lot actually it, you know Dave knows, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, referency stuff. Like, not that it can't work. Like, there's certain, like, let's say you're watching a f- comedy or whatever, mm. and they make a reference to a TV show, and you, from the, and you go, oh, haha, That can be funny. Like, some, sometimes it hits the nail on the head, and it really works. I like when things just create their own thing. What I appreciate about They Might Be Giants, while there are kind of weird references to older songs and stuff like Tambo, Urine mm-hmm. Man and all that, a lot of this just feels so like out of out of left 
field. And I, I like that about well, being my vagina. To take your baseball analogy, since we're such sports guys, yeah. uh, they do swing for the fences, I think <laughs> okay. is the term, right? Exactly. When they're trying to really have something take off, they go for it. Yeah. And it may be genius. It may be completely confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think when it's confusing to me, that is when it's genius. That is genius, right. Yeah. No, and there's, a, there's like. an overlap there too. You got to do your own thing in this world, everybody. So, you know, all you people out there listening right now, you're all stars. And you think you should be scared by the big, big whoredom because that's going to bring you nothing but unhappiness. And I don't think you should be scared to do anything. I think, <laughs> I think you should do it. It probably can bring you a lot of those things, but, you know, everything ends eventually, right? My, my point being is like, even if the end point is you end up failing at what you tried, you, oh, the sure. worst thing to do is to say like, I wish I would have tried that thing. Oh no. Yeah. But I'm, I, I don't think he's scared by the big, big whoredom out of, uh, it's cause he's something he should do. I think but his partner is, or so, there's a hesitation somewhere in, in this narrative. Something is not, something is wrong. Yeah. Right. Something needs to be figured out. That's what I'm saying. You gotta got to go for we it. know that at least. Bad things can happen. Look, bad things can happen even if you get everything you want. So this is true. Why? Why like, ask like why? Now that I have everything. Try bud dry. The only thing I want to say before we move on, there is a live version that's extremely different. Mm -hmm. I would like to save that for a future episode that I've been thinking about. So I don't want to. Hey, I'm not trying your, to, your world, baby. I'm not trying to not be completist, uh, but I there's a certain thing I'm going for here. There's a logic to your flogic. There's a logic to my flogic. Uh, so so hold on tight and get ready for that some other time. Okay. okay. Moving on. The next track on Then the Earlier Years, disc two, I'm getting sentimental over you. Parentheses, adaptation, closed, motherfucking That's parentheses. That's a good way to, uh, to name a song. Never thought I'd fall, but now I hear the call I'm getting sentimental over you Things you say and do just thrill me through and through I'm getting sentimental over you Once I wondered why I'd sit at home and sigh I'm getting sentimental over you Words cannot describe this poetry inside I'm getting I always uh, think of that drum pattern and I sometimes will walk around. Shiver. <laughs> I will walk around and just do it. I'll just do it. This is a song where they take probably like a typical nice, a nice family song. <laughs> yeah. And they turn it into something creepy. Something horrifying. I, yeah. I, I've got to say, before Then came out, there was a few references in like early fan facts, FAQs, being like, and the much beloved getting <laughs> sentimental rooms. Like, I think... It was on Dial a Song for a while. It was on the Franco Tool show. I think f some fans didn't know that it was like sort of a cover, and fans gravitated towards it uh, right away. What I would think is because it's it's very different from their other songs. So th it's called adaptation because the lyrics are from the song "I'm Getting Sentimental Over You," mm -hmm. which is a song that was by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, and it's from 1932. But that version, which I'll play a clip of now. It has no lyrics. Mm -hmm. So to say that it's an adaptation of this doesn't quite make sense because all they take is the lyrics. Right. So, but I'll play the first, I like to play the very first one that can be found. Mm -hmm. So here's that. Mm -hmm. 
Is there one from the Baroque era? It's well, even low, even, <laughs> that's even older. Uh, I'm in the Baroque era, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so then in 1939, there was a version of it that has lyrics. I don't know if it's the first version with lyrics, but if you listen to it, which I'll play, certainly sounds very old. <laughs> I'll play it for Dave because I, yeah. I know he loves this kind of music. Never thought I'd fall but now I hear love call I'm getting sentimental over you Things you say and do Just thrill me through and through I'm getting sentimental so that's by the Ink Spots. Played as you murder someone. <laughs> and, you, um, could, you could see the guy singing that to the verse he's murdering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but That'll I, come I, into play later. I wonder if the version that inspired Flansburg to adapt it mm-hmm. was this version. I thought I was happy. I could live without love. Must admit, love is all that I'm thinking of. Won't you please be old kind? blue man himself, Frank Sinatra? Hey, can we play ten more versions? Yeah, more. So I've got this uh, offspring. Did a- <laughs> um, so now you're talking. So yeah, um, we know Flansburg is a huge Sinatra mm-hmm. head, <laughs> and Sinatra covered a it. Francophile. When Tommy Dorsey died in 1956, he did an. Tommy al- Dorsey died. There was a, an album called "I Remember Tommy," mm-hmm. and Frank Sinatra covered it. So that, that that could be a possible contender. I know it's funny because w- one of the first times I realized it was a cover is when or the lyrics were a cover rather, is I was watching Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Tom Servo sang it hmm. over like some score that sounded like it. Right. Tom Servo was like, I'm getting <laughs> sentimental. And I went, oh, wait, what? So I think that made me look into it a little. This was a really long time ago, like late 90s. So Flansburg did something very weird here, which is he took the lyrics from a song and made his own music. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered how challenging that must be because you've got to like scrub the melody you know out of your right. mind right so like if we were to take like lyrics like a they might be giant song let's say in like 30 years because it has to be like a classic or something right so if we were to take like they'll need a crane and do our own music mm-hmm. love sees love's happiness so it's like don't think of love sees yeah. love just be like, love sees, loves happiness. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the end of a song. <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's, I'm be getting like, sentimental. But happiness can't. It's hard to do. It's really hard. So may- maybe maybe it comes from that drum beat or maybe it comes yeah. from those chords or something. Flansburg's version, I mean, not to be such a TMBG loyalist. I, I love his version the most, I'd say. Um, I love the melody. I love that the chord progression is very haunting, like on its on its face. Uh, but even the way it's arranged is is so subdued, 
and creepy and kind of gets under your song. skin. Yeah. yeah, Dave, talk to me about I'm Getting Sentimental. It's great. I love it. They dropped the G. So the original is called I'm Getting Sentimental. Oh, I love when songs do that. I love when they drop the G. I do that G. a lot. Yeah. yeah. I have a song called You're Killing Me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an adaptation of You're Killing Me. Yeah. Which was a song about a murderer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so tell me a bit about uh, what I you love thought that, of the um, song. I don't know. Blowing into a Coke bottle sound, whistling thing for the bridge. Yeah, it's like guitar feedback. Crazy, but sounding. it's yeah. it's not just feedback. It's it's musical and it yeah, really fits. Notes. Yeah, it fits what's happening. I tried to do that on a song of mine. Is is have like controlled feedback and it's kind of hard. Oh, but it's like, yeah, it's challenging. But what's fun about feedback is that it's like this uncontrollable thing that you're trying to make sense of. I did a song, Dave, for an album I have coming up. Uh, it's called Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Weird Night, and it's partly about um, Weird Night. It's partly about the subway. So I did this feedback and I drenched it in tons of different reverbs and it sounds like subway cars. So it's going like, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I'm quite proud of how that came out. But um, yeah, it's a guitar solo. That's like really scary. This is just a scary few minutes of music. So I love that part when it, reverberates and kind of keeps it's almost like when you have two mirrors facing each other and it just keeps like bouncing and bouncing back and forth sounds like blowing into a coke bottle to me but uh, flansberg's vocal performance is, is great it's it's like shaky and kind of it fits the lyrics but there's also just something it's kind of like what's going to happen if he doesn't get this person that he likes right well i think it's a good example of like context is everything yeah like, yeah these exactly. lyrics can be very romantic one way and very creepy another way mm-hmm which they're masters yeah, saying of. please be sweet and gentle that could be like an endearing sentence or the way flansberg sings it i thought i was happy i could live with myself now i see that love is all that i'm thinking of won't you please be kind and just make up your mind that you'll be sweet and gentle be gentle with me because i'm getting sentimental over I mean, it's not just scary. I mean, it's vulnerable. It's sad. It's kind of just like, there's something very emotional about this song. And, and I know maybe that's why it stuck out for fans. I'll briefly say that Wikipedia mentions this, this song was on the Casio MT100. And I was looking up YouTube videos. There's a lot of demo demonstrations of that keyboard. And I was like, yeah, those are the drums. Basically, they kind of sound similar. You know, it's a really cheap little keyboard, but it, it has a cool thing, which is you can change the EQ of the sound on the keyboard, which is kind of rare. I've never seen that before. I own a few little crappy keyboards over my over over the years. When he says, now I see that love is all that I'm thinking of, like it really, it can go both ways. It's either like, oh, cute, someone's in love. But the way it appears in the song is that he's just, he's doomed. <laughs> uh, so I, I always thought this was a really interesting song. Um, I think the idea of adapting lyrics and, and changing the melody is something I, I don't know, does any other band, has any other band done I can't that? I think off the top of my head, no. The only I, one I can think of is Violent Femmes has, they've turned some poems into Yeah, music. I was going to mention that. Yeah, son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> but even then, it's like 
you're still kind of starting from scratch with, you know. Yeah, if you don't have something else implanted in you already, that'll, you know, determine how you're going to do it. Let's move on to the next song. It's a big one. It's called Become a Robot. Robot. Here's something you don't you become a robot. Clang, 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 whoops, too late. Here's something you don't you become a robot. Clang, 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 whoops, too late. Let's stick together, cause we're number eight. Let's stick to numbers, cause we're great. Here's something you don't you become a robot. Oh boy, become a robot. Um, a little. This one's a little intimidating to me. You know, this this one seems like a big song. This one seems like a big deal. Does, mm. Do you feel that way too, or are you just like no? Okay. Well, good. We'll balance each other out. Um, a, a little history about the song first. What Flansburg has said about it is he said th- this was a song they did for a Restless Polka compilation. Mm-hmm. And they also made Hope That I Get Old Before I Die for that compilation. And both songs were rejected. He also says it's an over-the-top song. <laughs> That's funny to see him acknowledge, even for <laughs> even for them. This is, And uh, it uses the Fairlight, which is like this really weird... Do you ever see what a Fairlight looks like? No. I was also looking up YouTube videos of that. It's like, it's a keyboard, but it has like a little Mac computer on it. And it has <laughs> all these samples of giant orchestra hits and stuff and that's what you're hearing in the song i think then they drenched it in reverb and stuff like that and he says you know the fairlight uh phil collins peter gabriel every brit art rocker guy had a fairlight in the 80s say if i pick up this mic for an example and uh press s for sample we can put in the sound i hope mommy over here we have uh mommy the waveform and it should be up on the keyboard. That's how this song sounds kind of unique, I think, to, compared to their other songs. You know, interesting choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Become a Robot, uh, there, there's a lot here. Well, we've talked about how this is a bit of a mission statement song, right? You and me have talked about yeah, that. Friend, friend I, of mine. I brought this up in, um, Dave is holding a knife right now. <laughs> um, I brought this up in the Lincoln episode. So my my big theory inspired by our, our friend of the show, Chris Stengel's theory about Lincoln, very influenced by the, 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 ro- the president robots at the mm-hmm. 64 World's Fair that were premiered there. And these president robots have shown up in, on their website and in their art and stuff. And I kind of think of that when I think of Become a Robot. So it's saying, you know, so one way to look at the song is the kind of like, hippie way like don't become like a robot mm-hmm. man like be a, be a real person you know i think you mentioned you could sort of saw it in, in like in that stupid way <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> so i like that going a little uh deeper into the song and like imagining what if they are like if they are singing about these robot presidents mm-hmm. like here's hoping you don't become that because i think from their point of view being being condemned to be like this robot attraction that just mm-hmm. kind of mindlessly spouts the same thing for e- eternity to like gawkers. Well, who's to say we're not there already, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like that sometimes doing this show. Yeah. But um, I like the idea of, of being very specific with the song in that way. Like here's hoping you don't become a 64 world's fair mm-hmm. robot. I don't, I'm not saying that this is what they're saying, I, yeah. obviously, but I do think these themes run through their heads a lot. Right. Speaking of the robot themes, I wanted to touch on... Let's do the robot. I wanted to touch on a few times that this has come up. So on my 
old flyers of They Might Be Giants that I have. Yeah, you well, love these flyers, man. These flyers are amazing. If, if, if you're a fan, and uh, go to their merchandise page. I think they're still selling them. They have an old flyer, Win a Robot. So, uh. they, so it says, this is Flansburg's handwriting, clearly. Um, In a misguided attempt to expand our mailing list, we're giving away a 13-inch walking robot with four <laughs> shooting missiles and lights up eyes. We'd also like to send you information about performances, guest passes, and some neat anti-brainwashing chants we've devised. Just fold and tape this page to a postcard. I wonder, did any anyone out there listening, I think there are some fans listening who yeah. are like, they email us being like, I saw them in the early 1990s and stuff. Yeah. Did any of you win this robot? And if you did, can you give it to me? Um, <laughs> did any of you become a robot? So Flansburg did this drawing of this robot and you see this robot in an old photo of them in the then the earlier years booklet, Dave. Oh. So check this out. So here's... Uh. So here's the drawing of the robot. I need or, you, my glasses. Or, you could, or you could see it on the thing right there behind yes. me. That looks like a, a silk screen, by the way, Jordan. Interesting. I'm almost positive. Or a woodcut. Because this is like the same thing you did with the Linnell print. Well, so there's two of them. So look, there's the winner robot ad, and then there's another flyer that's just the robot, yeah, a bigger yeah. drawing of the robot that just says they might be giants next to it. And then zoom enhance zoom in on this old photo of them and look what's on top of their reel-to-reel tape machine huh, cool. it's that little robot the 13 inch robot wow How the fuck did you see that it's so small i don't even know okay <laughs> honestly Crazy. i just uh, think about this stuff a lot so so flansburg's into robots i'm fairly sure <laughs> flansburg wrote this song um though I, they both have prominent vocals on i like it. robots yeah i relate to them the, the other thing that i wanted to point out with the robots is as um they did this uh here come the a when here come the ABCs came out mm. they they started like a, a video podcast. Did you ever watch these where they're puppets and they like did yeah. this they did this whole thing where they had ro like Linnell was playing a robot and they had robot jokes. Warning, warning! It's time for robot jokes. Sometimes they are funny, but other times they're funny. Warning, warning! It's time for robot jokes. Waiter. Yes. Oh, robot waiter. Yes, what is it? What's this robot doing in my soup? It looks like he's performing human tasks twice as well because robots have no sense of fear. I don't get it. I've got another one. Good. Why was six afraid of seven? I don't know, robot. Why was six afraid of seven? Because seven was a robot. Ah, uh, I get it now. You know where I first got these jokes? No. Online. You mean you don't write your own jokes? Nope. I am a robot. Warning, warning, that's all the robot jokes. <laughs> so, wow. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't want to talk about the kid stuff too soon, but yeah. I, I have to I have to play that clip because yeah. I think it's really funny. Um, and I, it's funny the saying robots have no fear is it, like <laughs> it is acknowledging like the idea of robots is not just this a fun <laughs> fun sci-fi tool or whatever, but it's like it's you know your humanity is drained away. Well, that's why my wife's afraid of zombies. It's Why? The same, it's the same rationale. She's very afraid of like hive thinking and just not having any emotions and mm. just, uh, running on your instincts purely. Yes. Um, which, you know, I'm okay with. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not afraid of zombies. I'll fuck them up. Yeah, I mean, zombies, to and, zombie ro talk. zombies and robots they were, are kind of a, a yeah. two of a kind, I'd say. They should get along. Why don't they just get along?
So the lyrics, here's hoping you don't become a robot. I mean, to me, this song is like, you know, they're on the, the good side here. They're like, <laughs> we don't want this to happen. You don't think there's a little sarcasm in there? Well, clang, clang, whoops, too late, I guess, yeah. would be where the sarcasm is, because he's saying you're all a bunch of robots. Right. And it's you don't even realize it. This has already happened to you, and you're, you, you, it's too late. So we're all the robots already. We're all the robots. Um, there's a big controversy, at least in my mind, with the lyrics. Ooh. Um, there's actually two lyric controversies in this song. I think I know one. Yeah, one of them is is more publicized than the other. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I'm kidding anymore. But um, so the the lyrics in the booklet say, "Let's stick together because we're number eight. Let's stick to numbers because we're great." Sure. Did you? Okay. I've never heard that. What Dude, I, I was just listening today and I was like, is that what he's saying? No, it's clearly not. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play. I'm going to fuck somebody up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to beat up. I'm going to beat up my old man. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's stick together because we're number A. Let's stick to numbers because we're gray. This is what I think. Yeah, I heard li- gray. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm I think. I'm serious. Why are you laughing at me? Because Everyone it's laughs at so me. painfully horrible for me because no one agrees with me. Um, <laughs> I, I support you and love you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of defenses for this. Um, yeah, I see you're very defensive. So the first defense is that you could say, oh, but it's the official lyrics in the booklet. Well, they get a lyric wrong in Weep Day. They get a lyric wrong Shit. in this very song later on in the next verse. A lyric wrong in this very song. <laughs> Jordan, you're brilliant. So that's my first defense. If you want to like, you know, for the jury. Exhibit B is, well, no, wait. So I learned this because <laughs> I learned this because of my day job. Um, if you're the plaintiff, you use numbers. If you're the defendant, oh my God. you no listen. If you're the <laughs> if you're the defendant, you use letters. So I guess we're on the defense. So <laughs> right, are we? So exhibit B. I don't know where I am. <laughs> let's stick together because we're number A. Is cl- just mm-hmm. a classic TMBG wordplay, you know. You ever notice how all your favorite years start start with letter one? Number eight is like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but number A is like a joke because it's robots wouldn't understand. <laughs> Ro- I don't think I get the joke. Well, A is not a number. Right. So that's the, that's the <laughs> oh, joke. I guess I do get it then. Yeah, yeah. Let's stick together because we're number A. Let's stick Instead t- of number one. Yeah. Yeah, number A. Exactly. And a is the analog for one. Thank yeah. you. You just... You just made my night. Like in a secret code. Exactly. A equals one, B equals two, C equals three. Exactly. It's like a, it's a joke a robot would think it's funny, like in that robot right. jokes. Uh, thing right. Only watched. a robot. Mm-hmm. Dave's shif- shifting his <laughs> eyes. I just want to let you know. Yeah. Let's stick to numbers because we're gray, like a robot is. Right. Um, I don't, I honestly, this is weird. This is so specific, but I just don't see them writing a line saying because we're great. It just, hmm. it just doesn't feel right to me. And I'll play the fucking clip again. Let's stick together because we're number A. Let's stick to numbers because we're gray. I don't hear yeah. I don't hear those words eight or great. I hear A and gray. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't I was listening to it today and I didn't want to feel stupid by like misquoting the lyrics, so I looked it up. The vocals feel loud and clear in the song to me. 
Um, it's mixed really well, <laughs> you mm. know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening, but I can understand most of the words. I'm going to die on the hill of it being number A and great. You're going to die on that hill, which feels like classic TMBG lyrics All to right. me and, and like fits the song. And well, gray and, also has a double entendre of a gray, a robot is gray. And also they would see like things as sort of a, a gray. Exactly. Non-human. There's a, no color, no there's, emotion. There's a lot more that makes sense to me with saying let's stick to numbers because we're gray rather than because we're great. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. The more I say it, the more and I folks with your it. help, we can sign this petition. Well, push this into legislation, get these lyrics changed. Yeah. <laughs> Vote no on prop, uh, eight, eight. <laughs> yeah. On prop a, um, I have to say what I don't want is a, a lot of emails, uh, <laughs> telling me I'm wrong. Um, only, but if you have a legitimate reason or like evidence, or, you know, someone who wrote the lyrics like Flansburg, um, then tell us, but otherwise, I'm glad we sorted that out. Let's go to the other controversy. So it says in the lyrics, and by the way, this backs up my idea that the lyrics are wrong. Um, it says, here's hoping you don't harbor a wishnik. Mm -hmm. This was a huge debate among fans, especially on the news group. This is before then came out even. Some people thought it said, here's hoping you don't harbor a penguin. I'm sorry. I did hear Penguin today. <laughs> yeah. And I actually thought that almost could be a reference to their other song, yeah. Peng Penguin, which Penguin, which they had. Penguin. Yeah. We'll talk about that song in a future episode. Penguin. I hope. Um, Love if, that song. Yeah. So I was like, is that like a big, big Hornum thing? Like they're referencing sure. another song. So that kind of made sense. Um, it's so random otherwise. True. Um, right. Then the lyrics come out and says, harbor a wishnik, which is like, could be what he says, but then a lot of fans thought it said death wish. Mm -hmm. Here's hoping you don't harbor a death wish. This was confirmed to be the right lyric yeah. from either Bill or Flansburg. It's a or, Bill, I or think. both. Yeah. I didn't understand the rationale. It was they said they didn't want to scare their parents, uh, so they changed <laughs> the lyric. There's so much bizarre <laughs> about that explanation. I don't even I don't think I need to get into it. So it's Harbor of Death Wish, and the fact that the, the book says Wishnik, and then it says number eight, I don't know. <laughs> I want to move on from this, because I'm getting, uh, I'm getting riled Damn, up. Damn, yeah, you're getting all worked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Bane, like I'm pumping up my arms and stuff. <laughs> the other thing I want to reference is this whole idea of being like a number, you know? Yeah. Like where numbers is, it reminds me of the lyric in The Egg. Yeah. When he goes, well, I'll play a clip. Yeah. From the outside, I am thinking I'm a number, not a man. From the outside, I am thinking what So I think this is like a theme with Flansburg of like not being an individual, right? Being like part of a part of a soulless mob. Well, is that like a prisoner Twitter. reference? What? Um, a what? Oh, tell me. Is that a reference to The Prisoner? I think that's pretty much around that time also. The show The Prisoner is about someone, you know, on this island and they're all uh, assigned numbers. I am not a number. I'm a man. Is that from The Prisoner? I think so. Let's look that up. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> 
Wow. So, so Dave caught a reference that I did not know. So in the egg, he's referencing the prisoner. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, but it still kind of, it still fits these, these themes of being a number. And I, maybe yeah. he was thinking of that for we've become a robot. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not, I don't know if the prisoner is where it originated, but it, mm, it's a yeah, common yeah. theme in science fiction, you know, yes. to be boiled down to a, a, a number. Or for sure. Take your humanity away. For sure. And the, the last thing about this song I, I really want to talk about, it, the reason this feels like a mission statement, like we said, is because of my favorite lyric, which is hip, hip, horrific right. are the words we sing. Hip, hip, horrific is our thing. There uh, you have it. I love, I love that line. I don't think we need to explain it, but it really summarizes the, They Might Be Giants, what they're about, especially at this time, I think in, in 85, 84, when they were debuting these songs live. I think they were even more aiming for more than now and more than even a few years later, like like with Lincoln and stuff. They're really aiming for these songs to be unnerving and mm-hmm. unsettling. And uh, so this this fit with those. I can actually remember our very first show and um, we were rehearsed for, you know, we put it together over the course of about, about a month and played for 23 people in the heaviest snowfall of uh, 1983. And... Um, I think it was 1983, but it was an extremely, it was unbelievable amount of uh, snow on the ground, and, and some friends came out. We played for a very small crowd of people, and I remember we put the show together for a long time before we did it, and I remember thinking a couple of the songs were actually kind of creepy, like they had a, the, at the core of them, there was something very sort of haunted and strange, and, uh, you know, we were very much into a lot of uh, sort of art, artier new wave bands, like the, the band Perubu from Ohio, who are, you know, very, taken very seriously. And I remember, uh, I, I will never forget that doing that very first show, doing the, presenting these songs that I thought were kind of obtuse and, and maybe even a little arty, but kind of interesting and scary, and then people laughing and thinking, wow, this is going to be really different <laughs> than, uh, than I thought it was going to be. Well, that phrasing is great because it's like a cheer, you know, so they, they have an enthusiasm and an exuberance yeah. for the horrific. And it kind of passes you by on first listen because you don't you, you don't really think of the word horrific. Like, I think it took me one, like at least two or three listens to be like, oh, oh, <laughs> I hear it. OK, <laughs> um, but I did hear number A right away. So 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 suck it. Um, next up. Next up, which describes how you're feeling, how you're feeling. Which describes how you're feeling all the time Which describes how you're feeling all the feeling all the time There's this guy in the sky and he makes you want to want to make you sigh Like the time when you felt like you're feeling all the time And you sighed at the cracks in the ceiling all the time You said I'm feeling fine but it didn't Yeah, so when Don't Let's Start uh, from the 85 demo tape was included, it was called Don't Let's Start Demo Version. But it seems that Which Describes How You're Feeling is just called Which Describes How You're Feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and the one on Apollo 18 is just called Which Describes How You're Feeling. So it's not really denoting that it's a different version, but it's very different. And we're we're just going to talk about it a little bit because... It's interesting for a few reasons. Dave, what do you think of this version of, of the song? You know, I was thinking about that today. I'm actually not sure which one I like more. Ooh, really? Yeah. That's actually, I can see that. One thing that really jumped out to me the other night when I was listening is like, it's so stripped down. Yeah. Oh my God, there's no bass. There's no anything. There's two guitars, two acoustic guitars. Wait, there's no bass? All right, I like the other one better. Yeah, there's no bass. It's just a drum machine, two guitars, 
And well, the other vo- one's pretty vocals. stripped down too. It's mostly keyboard and vocal. It is stripped down too, but it also feels kind of busy. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? Um, but I just I never noticed that this had no bass, which is really weird to me. And it's it's got Linnell doing an octave vocal, yeah, so it's it's not a harmony low. exactly, but it's the same melody but an octave lower. So it'd be like it'd be like going like, "Hello, Dave, how are you?" And that'd go. Hello, Dave. How are you? And you can at and home. And then I'd say, I am fine. <laughs> I am fine. That's great to hear. <laughs> That's great to hear. So I do this on my songs all the time, by mm. the way, um, not because of this song, but but it's just like a natural way to kind of make the vocal sound thicker and kind of an, it's an interesting effect. It doesn't read immediately like, oh, there's a low guy singing a vo-. it. It kind of blends and it, it makes like a weird um, feeling. It's kind of like doubling the vocal, but it maybe there's like a more of an odd quality to it. I don't know. It's always been one of my favorite. It's kind of a go-to for me on a lot of my demos. It's good for harmonies to do the, the, the octave and the fifth, get a nice three-part harmony in there. Yeah, when I when I do that, my singing voice doesn't sound the nasal mm-hmm. <laughs> unpleasant qualities that I see are kind of masked a little. It feels a little yeah. little more, I guess, like manly or something. It's never been a problem for me. Yeah, Dave doesn't. Dave has his own like octave under his voice already. Hello, everyone. So, I, yeah, I never realized this song was so stripped down. Um, it's always interesting to me that the like a song from Apollo 18 was a song they had for years. And yeah, years and really years. long time. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it was on their 85 demo, but it stands to reason they had it before that and played it at shows a lot and then ignored it for like seven years. And It's a really nice guitar sound in general also. Yeah, it, it is nice. It sounds like there's like a capo on it maybe. It's really mm-hmm. high up. And so the next thing we should talk about with this song is the bridge. So as uh, many fans know, this is a secret message, a special, secret, important, urgent message <laughs> from They Might Be Giants, and I'll play it for you now. They Might Be Giants wanted to include a verse about the suffering people in the world, but we couldn't figure out where to put into the song. You know, today was the first time I heard it forward. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, God, I don't remember when I did that. I, I don't think I needed to bother with it in the past. I think I did it years ago yeah. uh, on my own, like, Cool Edit Pro or whatever. To, to me, um, the the backwards message is a little too silly, right? <laughs> it's a little too, like, Weird Al. Like, Weird Al has right, a similar, right, right. he has a backwards message in a song being like, why would you waste time doing this or whatever? It's a very Mad Magazine thing to do. Yeah. In case you couldn't understand it, <laughs> it's They Might Be Giants wanting to include a verse about the suffering people in the world, but we couldn't figure out where to put it in this song. So I don't want us to go go over the lyrics because I think we're, I want to save that for our Apollo 18 episode. Oh, sure, sure. I think it'd be weird to like discuss it so much now and then yeah. ignore it later. I'd rather... Uh, just touch on what the demo difference yeah the difference of the dave gets me <laughs> uh, the the differences in the demo and between and then men and women we'll talk about the song later but yeah look it's it's a nice it's cool that it's on here um wouldn't have minded more songs from the demo album yeah. on here because that demo album is not available in great quality in other cases what version do you like better I actually, Jordan. I think I like the Apollo 18 version better, but it's not mm-hmm. a strong preference, I'll say. 
Um, I like the drum pattern in this one. Yeah. And one thing I like about They Might Be Giants drums in the 80s, uh, it, you know, the drum beats they came up with is they're very particular to the, the mm-hmm. song. Like this, yeah. you don't hear this beat in another song, yeah, right? Personality. Same with I'm um, Getting Sentimental Over You. Like that's just for that song and in no other songs. And that actually was a huge influence to my early recordings mm-hmm. and stuff. I always, when I would make a song, I wasn't just gonna go like boop, ba, boop, boop, ba, boop. I was like, this song has to have its own drum beat. something that people should do more because it's <laughs> it makes everything more unique so i do like that about it and i do like the guitar it almost sounds like a mandolin or use it sounds like weird. yeah yeah well that's why i thought it was recorded nicely because it had a i don't know had a different timber yeah and it's weird for a song of theirs not have any synths not have any bass not have any keyboards it is mine he can find how you're feeling all the time from behind distant lines even straighter than his spine which is fine which is fine and describes how you're feeling all the time i do like the keyboard in the apollo 18 version yeah I, what i like about the apollo 18 version is just how how busy and elaborate yeah. and i like that it's fast i mean i like yeah, the, yeah. i like the speed you um, have a need for speed you yeah. might say so let's move on to the next bonus track which is swing is, is a, word. a word who can snap my finger nobody can nobody can where's my cat's pajama in the can the big trash can swing is word six feet down swing is a word six feet down swing is a word six feet well, six feet down, I think, means dead. Yeah, this is a this is like a classic death song. Um, I actually Googled why are graves dug six feet down to try to. I like to educate people. That's uh, grim. And there's no consensus, but one theory was that in the, the lo- smell. The, the London Plague of 1665, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there's some old uh, documents or something that say that uh, graves shall be at least six foot deep. And that's one of the earliest things anyone saw. It was depressing. It, it was to not spread the, the plague. And then there's other uh, things like safety, average grave digger height, because it's exactly the perfect height where you, you could climb out. That's terrifying. Because <laughs> um, if it was seven feet, you're kind of really fucked. Though six feet is pr- still pretty deep. That's taller than me. Yeah, six feet's taller than me. I couldn't get out of it. You gotta use your legs. <laughs> gotta jump if I was like, you know, like core Luigi strength. or something. You could c- kind of jump right out Do of they it. have a... Is Luigi buried six feet? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, oh. do, do they, they must have like a little ladder or something, right? They don't stand on the coffin to get out. Hey, I don't want. That's, I don't want someone putting ladders on my of, loved ones. <laughs> no, no, no. Nick, like I don't know. Yeah. Any yeah. grave diggers out there? Write no, us. Probably. They stand on the coffin to get out. That they can just climb out with but, their hands by grabbing their using their upper yeah, but, arm strength. But six feet, you're reaching up and you have to pull yeah. your whole body up. Like, are they all supermen? Like, well, Dave, that's why statistically one third of the graves in a cemetery are the grave diggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So swing is a word six feet down. This is this has always been 
uh, I have a weird memory with this song. Uh, I remember me digging a grave and <laughs> me and uh, Daniel, our yeah, friend, uh, sure. we only have like one friend. That's uh-huh. why we always mention him. Well, one friend that listens to they might be giants. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was telling our friend Matt, it'd be cool to talk to him, but he, he's a busy, he's yeah. a busy beaver. Come um, on the show, Matt. Yeah. Come on the show, Matt. Are you listening? <laughs> this might be in like five years. He'll Calling catch you up. out. I remember me and Daniel, you might've been there too, but we were, we were all hanging Let's out see if I remember. and we were trying to convince our friend Michelle that they might be giants were a, a cool band to listen to. Yeah. And I remember for some reason, what Daniel picked, he's like, they've got the song. It goes, <laughs> who can snap my finger in my head. I remember being like, I love that Daniel's picking this song, but I was also very confused why he thinks. Love the enthusiasm. Yeah. Couple of notes. Yeah. Like why, why that one? Was this in his room? Was that in his room? It might've been in his room. Were you there? Do you remember this? Cause I have a weird memory with Daniel with this song as well. So yeah. it might, we might be linking up to the same. Cause I remember him like snapping his fingers <laughs> and he's like doing this weird voice. Yeah. Yeah, he should have. Daniel should have covered this song when he did the Flansburg uh, cover. Yeah, <laughs> though I love his rabbit Nobody child. Can. Um, Nobody can. Yeah, this is like a special. Where's song. my cat's pajamas? So let's talk about that, Dave. Uh, cat's pajamas uh, comes from the old English. Um, you know, they used to skin cats and wear them as pajamas. So cat's pajamas. <laughs> no, um, no. So the phrase became no pop- takers. The phrase became popular in the 1920s, along with the bee's knees and the cat's whiskers. Um, so in the 1920s, Dave, the dog's dick. The word cat was used as a term to describe the unconventional flappers from the jazz era. Mm-hmm. So then it was combined with the word pajamas, which was a relatively new women's fashion in the 1920s. Do you know this? To form a phrase used to describe something that is the best at what it does, thus making it highly sought and desirable. Hmm. So if I'm saying, Dave, you're the cat's pajamas, I'm saying you're like the flapper's new cool clothes. It says a report in the New York Times of a publicity stunt by an unknown woman in 1922 in which she paraded along Fifth Avenue clad in yellow silk pajamas mm-hmm. and accompanied by four cats similarly <laughs> dressed may indicate, man, things used to be crazy back then, may indicate the phrase was already, time to be alive. was already current by that date as the cat's meow certainly was. Why is the cat's meow a good thing, you know? Think about that. I don't know. I like when a cat meows. It's like a cute sound. Sometimes. I mean, I had cats my whole life. Sometimes it it's be quite annoying. annoying. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they're you. cute and sometimes they're like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. You want to hear that in the middle of the night? One synonym for cat's pajamas is all that and a bag of chips. Wonder right. What, I don't want to know where that came from. That's that's 90s. It was a Pringles slogan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Big Pringle. So anyway, it's his cat's pajamas are in the... So basically, this is a corpse, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very few words to this song, which I like. I, I always think songs are cool when they have like very few words. And I'm very bad at writing songs with very few words. As you might know, I, I have a lot that sometimes I want to say a lot. And I write a giant blocky verses that are huge. But I, I like this. Who can snap my fingers? Nobody can because he's buried underground, I think. Mm-hmm. Not just dead, but like he's you can't reach him. He's, you know. Where's my cat's pajamas in the can, the big trash can. So I imagine his loved ones threw out his old clothes. <laughs> if we're talking about literal pajamas, you know, but the other idea is like, he's not in fashion anymore. Yeah. He's not that thing anymore. And it's also funny to say not in fashion. Cause it's like the song is, I don't know if swing, if they mean the music genre or the, the, the dance. Yeah. And it's kind of a jazzy sounding yeah. song. Uh, so there's, there's stuff, stuff to think about there, but swing is a word. Six feet down is like a weird phrase. 
Yeah, swing as a word on its own is a weird phrase. Yeah, swing as a word. I don't know what to make of that. As opposed to a, a dance or a music, I don't know. Um, this does continue the theme of like mixing dance moves with death, which Twistin does and um, a few other songs have done. So I always, I always think of those songs tying to this. The other weird line, he says 3876962, which as we all know is a dial song phone number, NAR. And that's official. That's in the that's in the official lyrics. It says NAR with Well, we can't believe any of the lyrics apparently. With nine R's, NAR with nine R's. Now, NAR is a, is a word. Did you know that? No. So it was kind of hard to find, but uh, Merriam-Webster website has a declaration in legal pleading, and I still don't really understand. <laughs> I still don't know what it means, but a declaration in legal pleading. Do you think that's what they meant, though, or are they no. just picking a random sound effect? <laughs> I, I think that might just be a random sound effect. I just thought it'd be fun to, to see if it, it was anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why NAR, and I don't know why NAR is so specific that they would even write it out in the lyrics. It's a weird one. Like, let's talk about the music a little bit and then move on. That bass is like a heartbeat. Is it the bass? Is it the drum? What is that? A kick drum? I'm not sure I even know. Every so everything sure. in this song sounds like so distorted yeah. and, and crazy that it's actually hard to tell. It is like like the main I was like, was that the bass? I thought that was the bass. That is the bass. But, but it's that, also almost could be a guitar. Like a normal right. guitar. Well that I mean, look, even if it's percussion, it sounds more like a note from an instrument. Yeah, yeah. And every so everything about the song is weird. Um one thing that uh they said about it. Um, Flansburg said it was one of the first dial song recordings back in 83. So this is before they really had f- like fidelity to their mm-hmm. recordings. And he's called it a very ugly song. Hi, this is John of They Might Be Giants. We're going all the way back in time to the original songs written for They Might Be Giants dial song service. The first song was called Getting Sentimental Over You. The second one was called How Much Cake Can You Eat? And as part of this special They Might Be Giants dial song triple play, we're going to play another song called Swing is a Word, Six Feet Down. But first, we'd like to remind you that WDRE is playing our current single, Anna Ang, and we'd like you to request it as much as possible, so they'll play it more and more each day. That's something we ask of you, and uh, if you could tell your friends about They Might Be Trying to Style Song, we're sure they'll enjoy it just as much as we enjoy it. So thank you for calling. Call back tomorrow. Here's another song. This song is called Swing is a Word, Six Feet Down. It's almost like a jingle for dial <laughs> but it's, it's the a most, jingle for death. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most unappealing jingle you could possibly <laughs> imagine because dial song has a lot of jingles on it, actually. And this must have been really when it was new because the 83. Wow. So, so someone on the wiki asked if that percussion was the stick, mm-hmm. which is funny. It, that would be an amazing live song with the stick. Oh, I would yeah. love to see that. I wonder, I don't think they've ever played this live, right? I think this was just one of those like weird songs relegated to dial song yeah. Even though it's like just less than a minute long and it's weird and, and ugly, it's like the ugly duckling of uh, these <laughs> songs. I've always loved it. I've always considered it a song. I've, you know, uh, again, it might be like the weird nostalgia thing. Like they were my, the only band I liked for a while when I was younger, but just ev- there was nothing that wasn't legitimate mm-hmm. except maybe the next, 
<laughs> so maybe the next track, but um, there was nothing that wasn't a song to me, even the shortest, most random thing. I was like, yeah, I love that song. I'm just still wondering what the term means. Swing, like, what do you make swing, of that? Swing, yeah, swing is a word? Swing uh, is a word. Are they saying down. that, like, you know, dancing and stuff, it's still just like a... Is it kind of like, you know, like a pipe is, uh, this is not a pipe, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. Swing is a word. Swing from a tree. Yeah, the hotel detective thing. Why don't you swing with me from the top of a tree? To me, swing de- uh, sounds like being hung because of that line, right? And because of Twistin also about being hung. I mean, they might be trying to make a reference to, you know, the kind of dance or music or something with some vitality in it and, mm-hmm. you know. Contrasting mm-hmm. that, uh, with, they're saying like we're burying it with this horrible song <laughs> that we that is like no one can dance to. Though I can kind of see someone dancing this. I can see like a like David Lynch movie and <laughs> this kind of there's like some weird dreamy version of this song and people are yeah. kind of like swaying. And, it's just a weird phrasing. Yeah, I mean I, they also have it's a puzzle. They covered "We've Got a World That Swings." Yeah, and uh, I I always thought it was interesting to take that cover and not just take it at face value, but put it in the scope of all their work, including this song. It's kind of, you can see it in a different way. But let's move on and get the next one over with. It's called (laughs) Doris Cunningham. I think you have another song for us. Would you like to perform it? What's the name of the song? Oh, I think I know that one. Great, great. So Doris Cunningham, a few things to talk about here. This is part of a larger piece that we all, we know from the Franco Tool Show bootleg. And again, if you're a new listener, Franco Tool Show is a big, crazy radio appearance they did where they played all these old demos and all these weird uh, tracks. One of the things they played is this lengthy, weird interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep saying weird, but it's because if you heard it, uh, you would know. It's this woman interviewing John and John and, and asking them weird questions and getting weird responses. We're going to go into it on the Franco Tool episode, but I will play, I'll play a little preview clip just to give context to this Doris Cunningham clip on then the earlier years. We're back in the studio and I'm Doris Cunningham with They Might Be Giants, John Flansburg and John Linnell. John's, a friend of mine, Eleanor Summers from the AP Wire Service, told me you two live like pigs. Is this true? <laughs> it, it's funny you say that because a lot of people have said the same thing. <laughs> I, I guess it's true. <laughs> I really feel like the thing to talk about here is just <laughs> why give us this little clip? It's very strange. It's like, you know, did they only have like 20 seconds left? in the on the cd (laughs) honestly that might be why and they're just like oh we've got 20 seconds well let's just do this it'll be funny like i don't know we could probably measure it figure it out yeah so me and dave just did the math as you might know a a cd can go up to 74 minutes for audio and then the earlier is this two is 73 minutes and five seconds Mm. so they had another, <laughs> they had like a minute. They could they, put a minute on there. They could have put, so, you know, like for example. A lot can happen in a minute. We heard in this clip from Dial Song, Flansburg said like, how much cake can you eat was one of their earliest songs <laughs> along with Swing is a Word. That's like a minute long. They could have put that freaking song. I would have loved that. Um, I love that song. I tried to use that for my uh, wedding. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I couldn't get a good enough version of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You ruined Dave's wedding, They Might Be Giants. What other song would be per- more perfect for the cake cutting at yeah. my wedding? Mm-hmm. 
so Doris Cunningham is, is like 12 seconds and it's a, to me, it's kind of a waste of a track because I don't want a little piece of this cool, crazy, funny track. I right. want the whole thing. Would you rather hear more of it or just a song? Either way, just yeah. either one. Pick one. It's kind of like a, a neither or, right? Like, it's just, I'll do it the honor of <laughs> giving it some reference points. So the, the, what you're hearing is their friend Jennifer Neff, who I tried to find, uh, but there's five billion Jennifer Neffs. I was, I, there was a YouTube channel. It was like, Jennifer Neff gives a speech. And I was like, is this her? And it was like a Scottish woman. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not her. Could be her. I hear you have another song. <laughs> maybe but, she does a really good American accent. Yeah, maybe. Now, Jennifer Neff is also the woman who sings I Need Some Lovin', which is an early They Might Be Giants uh, dial song that I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I love this song. I'll play a little clip, but we're going to talk about this song another time. We have a new record out titled Lincoln. It's available in record stores everywhere. That's right. 18 new songs from They Might Be Giants. The only two guys named John in a band that really matter. And here comes the second song of the day, which is called I Need Some Lovin', featuring our friend Jennifer Neff on lead vocal. Here comes that song you've heard so much about. I need some loving, some turtle doving, to dry the ocean of tears running down my spine. I need some kissing, but I know you're listening to all the radio. And the sound effect that you're hearing is from Bewitched. Right. So that's something for me to talk about a little, right? I mean, so I, you know. Is that something, so, guys? Anyone left out there? Did you ever watch Bewitched growing up, Jordan? I watched it all the time. Really? Yeah, when I was little, it was on TV a lot, yeah. and I watched it all the time. I watched it too. Yes. But you know, I, was, I forget who I was talking about this with the other day. I think I watched everything that was on oh, TV. Oh, sure, sure. I didn't care. You know, well, there wasn't that much. There was like five channels, right? Yeah. I didn't have cable. Yeah. So I just, I watched anything that was on. So Bewitched uh, premiered in 1964. And 64. It's it's actually again. Yeah, I know. I thought of that too when I looked it up. Um, Freaking me out. It's funny because me and my girlfriend we saw a movie screening for a movie called I Married a Witch, and it was like I loved it. It was really funny, and it was kind of a weird comedy with a lot of like silly effects and stuff. And I I kept thinking during it, this is like Bewitched, Mm -hmm. and then I read that Bewitched is like a ripoff (laughs) of, of I Married a Witch. But more of like a sitcom. I, I Married a Witch is a little darker, you know. Um, they like gets into like burning witches and like it's about like revenge. Well, that was the season finale of Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, it was a dark ending. Darren was just like, I'm just going to fucking light you on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was two Darrens, Dick York yeah. and Dick Sargent. Yeah. Both th- named Dick. I think people know all that by now. But uh, so the sound effect in Doris Cunningham mm-hmm. is the sound that her nose would make when she would do a little spell. I don't know where you get it. Must be from your father. Certainly not from my side of the family. Mother, he's coming in and you're going out. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Nicholas John. You are kidding. <laughs> I've never been more serious in my life. One Leori, Korean, Phyllis and Follis and Nicholas John, Queevy, Quavy, English Navy, Stigrum, Stagrum, Buck. 
B-U-C-K spells buck and out goes you. So, you know, I mean, this is another one of those weird, you know, like TMBG pop culture filter things, mm-hmm. right? Like blender, or you said blender, pop culture blender. I never said You that. said that in our last episode. I remember. Yeah, but I got that from you. Oh my God. But I got me from you. Whoa. Um, I palindrome I. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'd be better to talk about it in context with the full track. But uh, one thing I did look up, I Googled Doris Cunningham, because mm-hmm. who is that? And a lot of obituaries came up <laughs> and I was thinking all these obituaries for women named Doris Cunningham. And it's, you know why? Like Doris is like an old name. Yeah. Doris is a name that older, old women have. Let's bring it back. And people. it was kind of sad how many uh, of them died. <laughs> yeah. You, see, you ever see a baby named Doris? That's my point. Yeah. So <laughs> this is my new baby, Doris. So something fun for our listeners to do: Google Doris Cunningham and who is your favorite obituary uh, woman. Also, if you're pregnant, name your kid Doris, and then she'll Bring be a future obituary, and oh, we can Jesus. set things right. Well, that, in a way, we're all a future obituary, right? Yeah, unless you're so um, unless you're immortal. Well, yeah, I was going to say unless you're so unknown that there's not even an obituary about you. How did that? How does that happen? How does the news, how does, does it, was the newspaper like it. fucking Grim Reaper? Oh, okay. So they need, <laughs> I was like, how do they know? Like what? <laughs> do they, they don't, like, ah, scoop. Some random person died. <laughs> do they, they don't still do obituaries. Oh, well now it's an app. <laughs> you get notifications. Obitu app. You get a notification every 0.5 seconds yeah. that someone died. Died, 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 died. Yeah. Lotta. It's a great app. So Doris Cunningham, kind of a, a waste of a track in my mind. Um, also, by the way, like the excellent quality of this track means they have that whole thing in excellent quality from Franco Tool Show. And that drives me a little crazy. I think they're doing it intentionally to mess with you specifically. Yeah. So let's go to the next track, Dave. And it's called Counterfeit, Counterfeit Fake. <laughs> I, I always tried to sing along and play the the drum part, you know, it's like crazy. So counterfeit fake, Dave, you're, you're scratching your head I, yeah, inside. I mean, internally, cause you're not really doing it. I mean, I was excited a little bit, a little bit excited to talk about this track with you because I want to know mm. what the fuck you think this uh, person in history is. Oh, history wants you. They made a mistake. Oh my God. Yeah. I never thought about that. I think it's Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's your birth certificate? Yes. That's what the song's about. <laughs> um, so counterfeit fake is, is honestly really what it is, is a little experiment. I, it's kind of reminds me, like we said of the proceed to small talk, which mm-hmm. is me and Dave's old band. Um, I'm not just saying this to, to have an excuse to play another clip. I hope you guys enjoyed that clip. Yeah. So what Flansburg says about this song, he said this is an, in an old article from 1996. From the Ice Newsletter. The Ice Newsletter, my favorite magazine. I think Mr. Freeze is the editor of the Ice magazine, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? I think so. Killer Frost, even. Mm. Captain Cold. What's another one? <laughs> Icicle Jr. I think I d- half made that up. Flansburg says, this uses the very first drum machine I ever bought. 
two months before it officially came out in America. I guess Flansburg has connections. Yeah, what's up um, with that? Yeah. This song was created with all the drum programs people had recorded while testing it in the store. I was trying to figure out how this piece of equipment works, so it's very psychotic sounding. <laughs> I thought the title was kind of interesting, like a Bob Dylan title that kind of folds in on itself. So Dylan. here is more Bob Dylan. Yeah, the title that folds in on itself is interesting. I never thought of it that way. Counterfeit fake. Because then it's not a fake. Like, it's not a counterfeit. Yeah. Or, you know, it's kind of a strange, strange line. I never thought of it that way until I read that quote from Flansburg. Well, it's saying the same thing. Counterfeit. Yeah. A counterfeit, counterfeit is a fake. It's like saying stupid idiot. Right. Dave. Yeah. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> so there's that aspect of it. And, the, you know, the early drum machine experimentation is, I think, created a lot of these songs. I think I, I would even guess getting sentimental over you started that way. Mm -hmm. with Just that pattern, like... Yeah. Um, so this is this is one of those examples. We write pretty independently of one another. We've done collaboration in a lot of different ways, and we've also done we've sort of set out to write songs a lot of different ways. Sometimes you just kind of put something together on the drum machine, and that's enough to inspire you to to put together a whole piece of music. Other times, you know, you're just riding your bike and you get an idea. Yeah. And you have to remember there was a period of about ten years before we ever made any records when we knew each other and. So we have a big backlog too that we're drawing from constantly. Oh, so so let's go into the all of the lyrics. Hey, hey, counterfeit fake history wants you. They made a mistake. I always saw thought of it was like a he was saying to money. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is a terrible interpretation. I always thought he was like, hey, I'll, I'll counterfeit bill. That's the only context I know the word counterfeit from. Mm -hmm. At least when I was like a teenager um, and heard this song. So it's like, hey, history wants you. They made a mistake. Like, that's not, you're not a real dollar. But then I'm like, that's kind of a hmm. weird topic for a song. <laughs> and that's the only lyric. Who do you think it's about, Dave? Um, After Obama. I think it's about Napoleon. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's it's about like that, that uh, the guy from Fake Out in Buenos Aires. I mean, the one thing, I mean, the idea of fakeness and not being true to truthful and true to yourself is like a theme in these bonus tracks. I, I actually wonder if, if this was apparent enough to them that that's why they chose this song to be on the bonus track. Like they were like, oh, let's keep going with the fake stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because they certainly had... I would honestly assume like over a hundred to hundreds of songs to choose from for these bonus tracks. There's so much out there. I think saying uh, history wants you. Yeah. That's scary. That's like saying like we fucked up and it's almost like a time travel thing where it's yeah. like, we have to pull you into the vortex because you're not supposed to be here. And then your whole family gets erased. I mean, I see it like a negative thing, like someone who, uh, I don't know, people relied on, you know, and was like a crazy dictator or something. You Interesting. Know? Yeah, yeah. I, I see it in a negative context. I can see that. Or maybe it's well, just about a, a Joe Schmo who just is just shouldn't uh, shouldn't exist because he's not helping anybody. You know, like or some, Jane Schmo. Some Mussolini yelling from the balcony type. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like, you know, you're you're faking everybody out. You're you're not going to be good for everybody. We made a mistake. It's a quantum leap. So yeah, this song was on Dial Song. Like I, I think I first heard it on the Power of Dial Song bootleg. Um, it's the exact same version, so I'm not going to play it. But um, I was aware of it. Uh, the only other thing to really talk about is his guitar playing. Yeah, is, is even weirder than the drum stuff. I would say quite frenetic. <laughs> Wants you, they made a mistake. 
What, what chords are those? <laughs> it, it, I was going to say, it, it sounds like when I'm just sitting on the couch and just not really trying to make a chord, but I just kind of put my hand <laughs> on it and just go like. <laughs> I know, but his sounds even more like atonal or messy or something. It's a little experiment. I'm, I am glad that they put this on here. This isn't a complaint for me. I, I like that this is on here. I like it. <laughs> I, I do like it. It is weird. Um, we, we could briefly mention they have a song called Counterfeit Faker yeah. that has nothing to do with this song. According to Flansburg, he said it is no relation. Here's a song that's uh, on, our, on our next album. Yeah. Not related to the song on them called Counterfeit Fake. It's a completely different song. It's completely different. Except for the title, which is almost identical. And the title is Counterfeit Fake. I think it's a trilogy. Don't, yeah, <laughs> they're gonna do another one in the next. That album. would be amazing. Counterfeit, fake fakers, fakest, fake. Yeah, fakest. Oh my god, exactly. Yeah, fake faker and fakest. That's funny. Thank you. But uh, the only thing that I can think of for that is like, what if you do reverse engineer that and be like, is this song about the same person <laughs> that counterfeit faker we know is about? Yeah. I think we know who that's about. We'll get hmm. into that in the future. But I do. Do you think like, because then what if he's the person history yeah. wants you? They made a mistake. That's, that, that's mean. It is mean. So here's what I'm getting at. So the song counterfeit faker is left off factory showroom, their 1996 album. Uh, we know we have a very good idea who that song is about, according to Flansburg and according to, you know, fans interpreting mm -hmm. it pretty accurately. So here's my thing. So like the way that Big Big Hordem would get used in multiple songs and they have these terms for people like chess piece face and Flansburg like names people nicknames, yeah, right? Yeah. Like chess piece face. Rabbit child. Rabbit child. So it's like if let's say what if counterfeit fake was always this consistent person and what if this is about him and what if what if he flansburg is saying what if it's an angry song he's saying history wants you they made a mistake like yeah. i should have should have never been born you should not have been born and and i think that's a little a little mean and mm. a, a little interesting and we could be totally wrong as we yeah. as we're that's like our catchphrase here. as we're wont to do but um i do think reverse engineering it is is interesting so let's move on to the final track which i don't i want to talk about the and it's star called, of the show School children singing Particle Man. <laughs> Okay, here's my problem here, and you're you're all gonna gonna kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, Particle Man is on Flood. We haven't talked. Yes. Yeah, th that is <laughs> true. A, you know, even though these song, a lot of those songs debuted in the late '80s. Uh, you know, we're trying to organize things by the year. So Particle Man is a 1990 song in my mind, right? And school children singing Particle I Man don't would not like have been said to them and. In, 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 until the 90s because they didn't uh -huh. know the song it's a time paradox yeah they they didn't know the song existed so to me this feels like a little weird that this is on this compilation because mm -hmm. this should be only 80s this is a song from Electra records album from 1990 it's their I never big, thought of it that way yeah it's their big album i don't understand why it's on here it feels very Jordan, it's just a cute little song 
Have These some, little ha- bastards. Have some fun. I don't have much to say about it. I know. So from from so if I was to be, go to their defense, they said they put it on here because they wanted to publicize it and find out who yeah. did it. So I, I never knew this, but according to the the wiki, they did find out it was uh, discovered to be Mrs. Belair's second grade class of 1990 from Ottawa Elementary School in Buchanan, Michigan. Music director was Tim McCarthy, who wrote into the info club to confirm the identity of the youngsters. So, yeah, I I mean, I have to say, I mean, is it possible to skip a final track when you're listening? I never really want to hear this. It is cute. I mean, look, I'm not a monster. Uh, It's cute to hear the kids singing this song. But, uh, you know, Particle Man is is a bit of a weird one because it's like it's the song. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's kind of the reason why we're going to actually spend a lot of time on it in the future. But not. I would assume so. Yeah, but not. Uh, not yet, my my babies. <laughs> and um, I, I'll say, you know, I love the little kid who there's like, laughing. Yeah, there's yeah. like a kid who's like, don't like. I feel like one of the kids <laughs> is like is like throwing like a pencil at the other one or something. That's what they do. <laughs> I love that you hear the teacher cue them for the next, for one of the parts. Like you hear his voice very mm. clearly at one point because they forgot to sing because um, he's like forcing them to learn this song. I mean, look, if I was a teacher, I would probably do this too. But um, but I'd pick an obscure song because I'm cool. Yeah, um, you would do bread hair. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just a little odd that this is on then the earlier years because this is, this is not, at that time, this was not the earlier years. Yeah. This was the re- kind of recent the middle years. <laughs> and uh, so I, I feel like we should leave it at that unless you want to say anything else about this song. I don't like kids singing. Why Why not? Their, their timber annoys me. Oh, so it's just like the sound of the singing. Yeah. Not the fact that they're singing. Because I think it's nice that kids can sing. Oh, uh, that gets annoying too. Oh, <laughs> you think they should just be... I think they should be seen and not heard. So that's then the earlier years, disc two, bonus wow. tracks. Did Crazy. you guys have fun? I know I did, Jordan. I'm wait. I'm waiting to hear what they say. Oh, sorry. Let's just wait to hear their answer. Go. Oh, they said no. <laughs> Shit. Let's well, what re- do you guys want? <laughs> redo. I had fun coming here. Thank you. Yeah, we like we always like hanging out. Yeah. Um, thank you, friends, for supporting the show. And foes. We want to thank. For giving us fuel to make it better. <laughs> thank you for the supporters of yes. the show who contribute a little, a little, uh, a little cashola. Yeah. Uh, you know, every month it, it means the world to me and it's extremely helpful to, to me. And just everybody that listens and writes in. All the listeners who email us and people who support us on Twitter and stuff. Right now, it's like a little family. But I hope uh, I hope you guys are telling your friends about the show and yeah, have more babies. Name them Doris. You can follow us on Twitter at Don't Let's Pod. Don't Let's Pod. Very active Twitter. I have a lot of fun stuff to post in reference to this episode and and other things in the future. 
You can uh, like and rate us on the old iTunes there. Yeah, if you're listening right now, just give us give us that rating. Give that, us those that, five stars. That you know we want, that we'll do anything for. And then please email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com if you have questions or comments. Yes. Or, uh, I don't know, like send us a, send us some rare TMBG stuff <laughs> if you're someone who knows them. Because we always appreciate that. And that has happened, and we're excited about uh, talking about it. But, and if um, you want to know how I've been doing... Send in some emails. Visit Dave's apartment at <laughs> blah, blah, blah street. So com. thanks so much, everyone. Goodbye until next time. What's the next episode going to be? It's going to be a surprise. And Dave, you look like you have something to say. Do you? <laughs> I most certainly do. Help, help, help yourself. The song is called Mr. Tambourine Man. Ask.